All right, you good to go? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to Bizzlecast episode 43. This is the Batman v Superman episode, and for this, as promised a few weeks ago with the Man of Steel podcast, I bring you uh, senior Bizzlecast contributor, five-timer, Matt Goisman. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So if you're listening to this Bizzlecast, you've probably seen, um, or maybe have seen, uh, my and or Matt's tweets and various Facebook posts and whatnot about Batman. Um, If you've listened to us before and just know what we're into and what we've critiqued and criticized in the past, you know that we were highly skeptical going into this. Um, And so the challenge with this podcast was we really didn't know where to start because we didn't want to just bash it, okay? Because people are liking it out there. It's making a ton of movies, setting all sorts of box office records around the world for superhero movies. Um, and, you know, it, it, the, the critic scores are all-time low. Fan scores are high. We can talk about why that might be, you know, uh, bloated by super fans or whatnot. But Matt Goisman, as a man who <laughs> really got me into DC... Um, through our conversations a lot more. You got me to read The Dark Knight Returns, which was great. Uh, you got me to see Man of Steel, which I actually didn't hate and we'll get back to, um, which I wouldn't have seen anyways. So you're sort of my uh, DC uh, you know, Yoda or whatever. What happened? What the fuck happened? <laughs> Seriously. I wish... I, I, this was just... <laughs> This movie made me like Man of Steel, which I didn't think was possible. I mean, I don't, like you, I don't want to just bash this film. I have some ideas on how they might have structured it and made it better. Right. Uh, but, I, I, my God, this is just, all the things that I hate in the superhero movie genre, everything Deadpool made fun of two months ago, yeah. it was just all of this rolled into this overstuffed, incoherent, soulless ugly like mud brown covered in shit gross looking hard to see disaster of a fucking movie i'm this i I mean i don't feel betrayed by this film like i did at man of steel because all the character assassination stuff happened in that but this movie was worse this was just an overwhelmingly horrible movie going experience for me uh, to something even i couldn't have possibly imagined and i get other people like it I really don't understand why. And and in other news, how great is Man of Steel? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's certainly, I mean, it's half of a good movie, and that's one half more than this movie is. This movie is dog shit from the first lines, from the opening horrible voiceover to the final scene. It is just awful start to finish. Um, And I want to qualify something early on. Sure. Um, I... I want to qualify uh, everything we're about to say with with not a warning, because that implies something bad. I am going to talk about spoilers in this film, and I consider that a blessing to all of your (laughs) listeners, because I don't want any of them to see this goddamn horrible movie. There are so many better things you could do with $15 or $20 than wasted on this piece of shit. You could... Pay for a couple of months' subscription to Netflix and watch Jessica Jones and both seasons of Daredevil and then, like, lots of other good stuff. You could buy the graphic novels this story takes the worst parts from and doesn't get the point of either. You mm-hmm. could give it to a homeless person. You could 
snort some cocaine with it. I, mean, I think they, uh, I think they killed all the homeless people actually in the movie. Um, uh, okay, but then like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure who's left at this point in either city. Go ahead. Well, then you know, spend three of it on a bus and take the bus somewhere where there are homeless <laughs> people and give the rest of it to them. I, you have to admit, though, it was, it was a nice change of pace that we not only killed even more Americans, but either attempted to or successfully killed people in at least two other continents, I believe. In this uh, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, they are just. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of things that Batman and Superman could bond over, and I guess oh, yeah. Zack Snyder's decided it's going to be a total love for murdering people that they are way overqualified to deal with without having to murder. Yeah. So, I mean, as I posted on, on Facebook like an hour ago, you know, this movie was exactly as bad as I was expecting. And when does that ever happen? You know, occasionally a movie will be as good as you're expecting. Not more, not less, right? Right. Um, you know, uh, I guess um, like Age of Ultron would be in that category. But for me, my expectations were so high and they, for me, they were met, but it wasn't better. I was cool with that, you know? Right. But like, this was exactly as bad. As I thought. And you know what? I'm almost disappointed. I wish it was worse. Because it's just not horribly terrible enough that we can rip into it for like four straight hours. There's like three or four things that we're actually going to have to talk about. You know? It, it, is that just Zack Snyder's legacy? Is I do a few things okay? <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell his legacy is going to be. I mean, he has a legacy. Yeah. The Green Lantern movie was as bad as I assumed it was going to be, as I knew it was going to be, but I did not leave Green Lantern feeling this exhausted, physic like physically tiring. This is a physically tiring movie to watch. It is so loud and so bright. Oh, it's like being in a fucking rave, I assume. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean... But without I, the I, drugs to make it fun. Right. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I considered uh, vaporizing something before this, uh, even though I don't do that sort of thing, just to get through it. And I did not do so. Um, I don't know if that probably would have been like a bad trip or whatever you call it. Um, I, I don't but, have an answer to that, but I have been told but, uh, that smoking weed makes you more okay with being bored. So then I maybe would have enjoyed this movie. <laughs> If I'd seen it high, because I was bored for a goddamn lot of it. Well, I guess what the other part I was saying, where it was as bad as I expected, was content-wise. You know, when Green Lantern came out, uh, note to the audience, I haven't seen Green Lantern, and I haven't seen the Ben Affleck Daredevil, both of which I'm sure will come up. Well, the Ben Affleck Daredevil will come I haven't actually seen that, or if I did, I don't remember it. <laughs> so I did, not see, I did not see this. However, in today's spoiler culture in 2016, you know, there was not a single thing in there thematically or CGI-wise or, like, guest appearance. I mean, there was nothing we didn't know. And, and what's crazy is, it, you know, I don't want to get too far off the movie at hands. Like, that's the case for Civil War. But we already know that Civil War is going to be a thousand times better than this. And we've seen a total of, what, four and a half minutes of footage from, from that movie? Yeah. Um, so we'll get back to the comparisons later. A little tease to the um, Bizzlecast listeners before Matt and I keep going on. We are going to play Would You Rather, which is a first for um, Bizzlecast. And we are also going to talk about sort of classically bad or just classically bombed movies that we liked better or, or even significantly 
significantly better than this one. Um, actually, I have a couple that people love that I hated that I, I love more now after this, including, well, I'm not going to ruin it. You, if you know me, you know what it is. We'll get back to it. So, um, all right, man. So what, what do we call spoilers where, where, where we're actually doing people a favor? There needs to be like a term for this, right? I Spoiler mean, blessings. Because <laughs> this movie is all about whether they're gods or not. So I'm blessing well, well, something. I don't know. Well, it's why it's why we call circumcisions brisses because we don't want to talk you know talk about cutting babies' penises right. too too directly right right um, <laughs> but at least at least you get something out of that right you get some maybe minor health benefits in a covenant with God this not so much it's just the cutting without the benefits <laughs> <laughs> this is the first would you rather would you rather be circumcised and that's asking somebody who's a grown adult or have to sit through this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I've already been circumcised. I'd rather get circumcised again. Yeah, right? Um, okay, so you guys can probably tell from the tone of this one that this is going to be a little bit different Bizzle cast, which I'm excited about. Um, and uh, I, I actually, Matt, was listening on the way, way back, you know, Philadelphia, of course, n- at 9 o'clock on a Sunday, I guess because it was Easter. There's, like, traffic all the way to the suburbs. So I popped on our Man of Steel uh, commentary and got through, like, uh, the first 40, 45 minutes. And it, it sounds like a love fest in comparison to what I think is going to come out of this and has come out so far. Um, let me ask you the big question that, that, that we started with and actually be a little bit more serious now. Why? And more importantly, how? How does a movie like this get made? They spent like, you know, half a billion dollars when you add all the various parts of the budget up. They've already made that money back. They're setting records. I don't know anyone who's seen it that likes it. I know like three reviewers that I trust that thought it was okay. Um, the audience scores are through the roof. Is this, I hate to say it, is this the flip side of Deadpool, of people just being desperate in, in winter for, for, uh, for, for, you know, thoughtless uh, uh, entertainment? Just that Deadpool happened to be the amazing side of the coin and this is the one, like Harvey Dent, like this is the burnt side of the coin? There is a critic um, who I really respect, a guy out of the Boston Online Film Critics Association, um, which a couple of my friends are part of. Uh, oh, really? who, that's big. That's kind of a big time thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, the Boston I, film, film Critics Circle. Yeah. So his point, this guy who I've never met, but I really love his stuff, is that this movie almost feels like nerds are getting punished for enjoying this run of good comic book movies for too long. Yes. And that a movie that basically does everything that the kind of what he called the old guard of film critics, people who hate superhero movies just as a genre was afraid Mm -hmm. was going to happen, that this movie basically has to exist to prove them all right. I mean, my honest best answer is a a couple of different parts to it. One, a marketing campaign and the W and Warner brothers marketed the shit out of this movie. I mean, they have been just flooding Anything you can think of that they could link to this movie, they've done it over the last six months. So, of course, everybody is just going to be preconditioned to have to go see it. I would also argue that no matter how good the Marvel Cinematic movies are, no matter how good the X-Men movies are, and no matter how good the first couple of Spider-Man movies are, Batman and Superman are still the two biggest, most iconic, most important superheroes 
in America, in uh, ever. Spider-Man. They're also the first two, and I think that's a part of it as well. And so when you put them together, that combination is going to speak to something very, 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 very deep in the human psyche because it's doing well overseas, so I can't just say it's an American thing. So a Batman and Superman movie that also sort of has Wonder Woman in it, even though they don't call her that and she's only on screen for five minutes, is just going to like some kind of vortex or black hole is just going to suck everybody in no matter how inescapably bad it actually is. Uh, and, and quick side note, actually, we'll get back to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman because in all seriousness, I really enjoyed her performance. I was expecting to because people had said that she was good. They didn't give her very much screen time, which I think is going to be a blessing in advance for her going forward that they leave the good stuff for her movie and she wasn't overly soiled. But I mean, she just lit up the screen whenever she was on it and she was the only thing in the movie that did that. And it's not just because she was beautiful. She has a great presence. She mastered it. I know there's a lot of CGI fighting, but you still have to look badass while you're doing it and she, she was smiled she smiled. she smiled she she was yeah. maybe the only person in this movie who had any fun doing anything yeah although although you know t- true to her uh, heritage it was that that israeli army uh smile of i'm smiling because i like you but i also could kill you with my finger right it's the <laughs> when to compare this to an infinitely better movie when the uh-huh. hulk punches thor in avengers for the first time and he wipes the blood off his mouth and he gets yeah. that grin of, I am finally going to get to fight somebody who is actually going to test my godlike super strength. It's yeah. that grin. It's the, I have been desperate for an actual challenge, and finally I have a giant monster to challenge me. Uh, oh, that's a great comparison. I know. I, that Thor Hulk fight's very underrated. Right. Um, it's well, funny, I- but it's that smirk. It's the same, I get to go into battle, and this fight is actually not a foregone conclusion, you know? Yeah, so she was great, and, and I think that her solo movie, if it happens, which I think it is, oh, yes. um, will, will be the one great thing to come out of this. You know, Ben Affleck was ex- expressing all sorts of big plans for the Batman character, including directing. I don't know if the money is going to be enough here, and you know, we're not going to talk too much about the money, but it it, it does. You know, people pay with their dollars. You know, people make decisions with their dollars. And uh, let's get, we'll get to this at the end because this is the least interesting thing. But just to tease it, I am curious as to whether the um, like they've hit their halfway point already, and we just don't even know it. And that this there was just so much pent up desire from people who love Superman and Batman in just this particular movie. And this is one of those huge opening weekends that's going to end up being half the total. That'll still result in a billion dollars, which is ridiculous. This is nowhere near as good as the Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises. Um, yeah, I mean, is this, is this the worst, uh, Mr. DC, is this the worst DC movie ever? Like, like, bar none, hands down, no questions asked? It, I mean, ever, I don't know if you could say this is worse than, like, Superman 4 or Batman and Robin, but it is absolutely down there. It's way worse than Man of Steel, which is amazing, considering Man of Steel wasn't a great movie, and it had a much smaller budget. It was a less enjoyable movie-going experience than Green Lantern, which was mm-hmm. ultimately it just, you know, you go in, you sit down, you get up and you leave. You don't right. feel, you know, it's only an hour and a half long. And right. at least Ryan Reynolds tries a little bit. He said he had no directorial help. There was no vision of what this movie was supposed to be. Uh, and so he didn't quite know how to play it. But right. at least he, he brings a little bit of that Ryan reynolds charm. Nobody in this movie has charm. Nobody is yeah. fun to watch. Dude, that that made me think of that's a really interesting point. I mean, think about now, right now, Henry Cavill versus Ryan Reynolds. 
in the last two months, there have been developments with movie releases starring them that have complete opposite effects on yeah. our brains, right? Right. No, this was absolutely a step back for Henry Cavill. I mean, he was okay as Clark Kent in Man of Steel. He he didn't have anything to do, and his lines were even no. worse. So it's not totally his fault. No. But he really, he just has... He has what every Kryptonian in the Zack Snyder universe has, a one-face problem. He just makes right. one face the whole movie. He doesn't... Right. I mean... Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just... I want more from superhero movies than this. I don't... I don't understand why we think this is what superhero movies should be, why this is what we want them to be, why we accept that they have to be this way. I, Can you imagine, like we go back to 2000 with X-Men and 2002 with, with Spider-Man. If this was like the comic book movie that was supposed to like reboot all comic book movies, you know, what different future, you know, that, w that would have been, I mean, you can criticize little things about the first X-Men and first Spider-Man movies, but they were damn fun and entertaining and, and left you wanting more. Yeah. I did not want more. I wanted less. This whole movie, I wanted less, 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 less. And you warned me about this in Man of Steel. It didn't hit me as hard in Man of Steel because at least that story was a little bit more focused in comparison. Right. But, yeah. At least the plot there makes sense. Nothing that happens in this movie makes a lot of sense. I still don't quite understand why Lex Luthor was trying to do any of this stuff. The actual fight at the end that it takes yeah. it takes an hour and forty five minutes. I looked at my yeah. phone to get to a an eight minute fight between Batman and Superman that isn't even that good of a fight. It's just two guys punching each other, Terrible and it fight. has the stupidest ending. Uh, I mean, really, one of the dumbest, lamest reasons why the fight ends. Um, and even if Superman had won or it had been a tie. You know, I mean, this movie really, we can talk about this. The big picture of this movie is Warner Brothers saying, we want Batman to be the core character in this universe, not Superman. And so this whole movie is about taking away Superman and replacing him with Batman. So Batman wins that fight at the end. But even if they just quit fighting after a draw, the way it ends is so fucking horrible. It just... Well, okay, so I, I went with my dad, Papa Bizzle, as usual, and uh, he actually didn't hate it. He was entertained, um, and me and him uh, both were cracking up, um, don't groan, uh, occasionally at Jesse Eisenberg and also Lawrence Fishburne, who when he was on screen was fabulous. Um, you know, it's these little side characters trying to do anything on the side, you know, to make to make anything happen. But he was trying to put his finger on it. I said, Dad, you can't have two main characters that are basically the same guy with yeah, different really. powers. Um, and, and I was like, just look at Cap and Tony. I mean, Cap and Tony has become the best, easily, all-time superhero frenemy relationship, right? Right. I mean, there's nothing even close to Cap and Tony, to Steve and Tony. Iron Man, Captain America. And then you throw, I know you said Batman and Superman, I'm going to throw Spider-Man just based on movie and TV and toy stuff. I'm not going to speak to comic book sales. I think Spider-Man's in the top three with Superman um, and Batman, and that's not me self-promoting because I don't even like Spider-Man, but I'm just <laughs> an observer of it. But look at the, I mean, you look at Civil War, you're like, okay, Tony and Cap, which no one can get enough of, and we're giving you Spider-Man, the biggest Marvel comic character ever. Right. And putting him in a real uniform, in a real universe. 
And honestly, is there anyone happier tonight than Chris Evans and Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel? I know the money thing seems intimidating. I think Cap could reach Star Wars territory based on this. I don't know. I I don't know about that. You're talking two well, I guess, billion I guess, dollars. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I don't talk about the money. I'm just talking about like how the movie's received. I mean, the advanced screenings for Civil War. I think War. this movie could be better received. People thought Star Wars was very good, but not spectacular. They thought you know it was a a solid B plus A minus, which was made even better looking because the prequels were so terrible. I think Civil War yeah. is going to be extremely well reviewed if it's anything like what the the trailers have set it up to be like. Um, yeah. I think people will judge it to be a could judge it to be a better made movie than Star Wars, which I mean, its biggest complaint people had is that the plot is really you know g- generic, just Star Wars plot. This I'm seems like a- Sorry, this sounds crazy. Sorry. This sounds crazy. I'm hearing early Oscar buzz about Robert Downey Jr. for sure. Civil War. Um, yes. you, can, you can see why, um, especially with the Sylvester Stallone thing. Now, Stallone didn't get it, but just the fact that he got there playing Rocky, you know, and this is the most serious and dark Iron Man that we've seen by far. And to even be considering a movie you know, with, with an Oscar-caliber performance or multiple Oscar-caliber performances and just this. And I, honestly, I, I'd like to describe the mood of the theater. Now, you'd think on a Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon at a mall right. for Easter that it would be packed, but it wasn't. Okay, so I, I'm not really sure what's going on in terms of the numbers they're giving me, but people were just zombified. There was a lot of shushing and and people milling around. I mean, no one was booing, no one clapped at all. There was not a single chuckle or or, or like cheer or yell the whole time. I mean, say what you will about like Ultron or some of the goofier Marvel movies. At least you know you're going to get some laughs out of yeah. it, right? I mean, this had nothing, had nothing. No, I. Civil War had more jokes in the trailer than this movie had in it. I think this movie had three jokes. I think we've already made more jokes than that movie has in it. You know, you know, at the very end of the Civil War trailer, the the, the uh, Un- teaser part, the underoos uh, joke, the the underoos joke, yeah, that people were laughing in the audience more at that than anything combined in the, in the actual movie. People were loving the underoos, even if they had seen it before. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, all right, why don't we start breaking it down and then we'll play some games, huh? Um, so, you know, it's being not a DC guy, and let's be honest, if you take out the Chris Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, um, (laughs) which is hard to do. And this movie takes a lot from, like, I'm not sure if we're going to get into best scenes, but I thought the two best scenes in this film, both Batman scenes, were when he saves Martha up until the lighting a guy on fire and watching him burn to death part, which yeah. sucked. And yeah. the, uh, the Batmobile chase up until right. the end when he meets Superman, when it got stupid, but both yeah. of those scenes, there are better versions of those scenes in the dark night. You know, there is a Batmobile chase scene complete with a bazooka or rocket launcher in the dark night. And it's way better. And there is a breaking into a warehouse and beating up a bunch of bad guys scene in dark night. And it's way better than this one. Well, and man, I'm, I'm, this actually worked out well for me. I mean, this podcast is coming out ASAP. Um, so this is probably being, we're recording on uh, the night of Sunday, March 27th. This will probably be out uh, tomorrow, Monday, the 28th or Tuesday, the 29th at the latest. But right after that, next week, I'm going to release my Dark Knight Rises uh, commentary. And dude, honestly, by your criteria, 
Dark Knight Rises, I think, is the most comic booky in a good way of the three Dark Knight movies. It has the most character, has the most color, it's funny, the romances are real and believable and entertaining with Selena Kyle. They have a lot of great characters, great world building, they have multiple villains. Uh, you know, there's like a second origin story inside of it. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess watching Man of Steel and then this makes me pine for it. But Christopher Nolan wrote story on both Man of Steel and this movie. I don't know how to explain it. I don't. I don't. He's not distancing himself. In fact, Nolan was the guy who convinced Affleck to come back. Was uh, it Snyder. Nolan or was it David S. Goyer? I thought Goyer nope. and nope. Snyder and Terry nope. were the three guys who really put this movie together. Indeed they were. And indeed, Snyder was the one who wanted Affleck. But right. Nolan got Affleck. Nolan got Affleck. No, Nolan is an executive producer on this movie, and he was a, a, you know, a contributor to the story. He's the one that got Affleck, making him all these promises. you know. And, uh, and good, because Affleck was good. I mean, there are people... He was good. Who are saying he's the best film version of Batman we've seen? Some people, you know, that's, that's nonsense. It may or it may not be, but he was very good. I would certainly say he was better than a lot of the Batman guys from the '90s. I think he was better than Michael Keaton or Clooney or Kilmer. You know, Dude, he's got he's got, he's he's as rich as Iron Man, but he has a suit that's three times as heavy and does not ten percent of what the Iron Man suit does. Here's the thing: for me, Tony Stark and Iron Man has made Batman just seem ancient. A little and bit. I almost am, I'm almost at the point where we should just put Batman in the past. And honestly, one of the things I love about Dark Knight Rises again. So you know how like if Dark Knight's sort of the neo you know a noir goth thriller kind of thing, you right. know. Then Dark Knight Rises is sort of like a, a like a pulpy detective, hard boiled detective story from like the forties or fifties, just in terms of the genre. Sure, you know, and just the fact that these movies have genres, you know, mm-hmm. th- like th- that is important, you know. And, and we, I brought this up in Deadpool, and uh, a question that it took me a while to get, to, I, I think, but I was trying to ask you about, uh, you know, genres of comic book movies going forward and whether. And this is this is exhibit A as to whether going forward everyone's going to go. You know what? We're not even going to try and do any more straight ahead superhero movies. We're always going to have like a genre spin on it because the superhero ones are so expensive, and they're either you know minor underperformers like Ultron or huge letdowns at least artistically like this movie. Um, you know, again, it's it's just. You're setting up characters. I mean, they introduced Aquaman. I was like, that's it? That's Jason Momoa? Oh, let's talk about this. I actually love... Okay. So, uh, okay. Here. You mean the the four trailers for upcoming movies we got to watch in the middle of the movie we paid money to watch? I actually thought that was pretty brilliant, personally. But, God. Um, I mean, just from marketing guru perspective. But <laughs> let me ask you this. So, okay. Starting now, you are allowed to ask me the goofiest you know, truth or dare type questions that you want in IEU. And we can turn them down, okay? But from here, BizzleCast listeners, you know, about like 25, 30 minutes in, we're going to start getting a little goofy here and have some fun, okay? Somebody has to. My first, well, I think we've already had more fun in 30 minutes and and our text messages in the whole movie. Um, Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Jesse Eisenberg liked him more, hated him more, or equal to what I was expecting? Oh, no, he was even worse than I, I dreamed he was. Oh, really? Because oh I was actually laughing. I was laughing. I, maybe I was just, I, you know, I needed something to laugh at. 
But he does. I totally get why he would grate on a lot of people. He just doesn't grate on me personally, but I totally get it. So me and my dad were actually cracking up at him being like a manic Jewish version of the Joker or something like that. Yeah, there have been critics who have said that this character feels like the Joker was supposed to be in this movie and then they scrapped him. So yeah. they just combined Luther and the Joker into one. But that's not his fault. That's no, not just the Eisenberg's fault. Him. And there are okay. the speech um, at the library endowment where he just kind of lost his mind. Right. I liked that speech. Yeah. I thought it was well delivered. And it certainly speaks more to some kind of schism in his brain than any of the other stupid monologues he goes on. You know, I agree. They should have... It seems like that something is the wheels are, are running off the tracks in his own mind that he is self-aware that he is losing control for whatever reason. But we don't really know why. I mean, well, what if see, and this is my problem, you know, it's like they spend two hours of the movie being so overtly political, so transparent. It's not even deep hammering the same political themes home. What if, what if this version of Lex Luthor truly had a mental illness? And, like, we knew about it, and he knew about it, right? How interesting would that be? He could still be the bad guy. We still have to lock him up and stop him. But, you know, th- like, those voices in his head part, that was the coolest part of the movie. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was going to be a break. That might be okay, but I would not want to see Zack Snyder try to deal with something that requires no. the kind of deft touch that actual mental illness does. I'm just glad that you pointed to that scene because right. that stuck out to me, and that was one of like three or four potential breakout scenes. Right, and the only breakout scene that amounted to anything was Wonder Woman with with Ben Affleck, you know, and then them in the battle, and then them at the end. Like their relationship, that was the only interesting thing in this whole movie, um, from a human standpoint. Um, you know, I wonder if, uh, oh, by the way, can, can I give you a couple of Gal Gadot? And again, remember, you can ask me any question anytime. Right. Um, uh, it's pronounced so, Gadot, by the way, I heard, because it's Israeli, it's not French. I don't know what Gadot means. I guess it means female members of the tribe of Gad, but. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would. Okay, okay. Gal Gadot, yeah, that would make sense. I should know that since I'm supposedly fluent in Hebrew, <laughs> read, read and write it, and lived in Israel. I had somebody um, tell me that too, but uh, you know, she's real pretty, and if I ever met her, I don't want her to know I mispronounced her name. She's got a little. She looks like a, a, a Jewish morena to me. She looked a little. She had that sort of um, feline, uh, dark hair, feline-looking yeah. morena background thing going on. I can't go wrong with either of those two. Um, really. Anyways, uh, point being, they filmed her scenes first. And I'm wondering if everything just went downhill after that, or I should, another way of framing that, she wasn't polluted by all the shit in the production because it was the beginning and they were just starting to film. And, you know, her being her, you know, is going to inspire all these old guys around her or whatever, and just her charisma. And there's just an energy whenever she was around that wasn't there when she wasn't around. Also, I know these polls can be very unscientific. I, I wasn't looking for this in particular, but I was reading an article about, um, you know, people who bought early ticket sales. Right. And this one study that was like in Reuters or something, or, or the AP said that, you know, they said, you know, who 
in this movie is the number one reason why you're you know buying tickets for it and like 20 to 25 percent at least said uh wonder woman really um so i think we got to give her credit just for her presence and people hearing the advanced praise for her and just knowing that she's going to be a thing and how desperate we are for a solo female superhero and goddamn, she looked great oh man i love the costume yeah the costume I, works oh. you know with the the scene where her 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 armbands glisten actually is one of the things that it's like one of the only Snyder over stylized slow motion moments that I liked. Um, I wonder with her though, I can't imagine it took that long to shoot her scenes because of how short they are and how little she's actually in the movie. No, that's the point. That's the point. That's why they did them first. Right. So then she can like put up, anybody can put up with shit for like a day or two, but I would imagine Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill, you know, however long this movie took to make a year or whatever, you know, they were constantly reshooting and retooling. I mean, this movie is so badly edited and so hacked up. Oh that my it's God. I told my dad in the bathroom afterwards that they should kill the editors. Right. I mean, it's clear they probably had to do a ton of takes and they were doing filming for a long time. And I could see how that would wear anybody down to the point that they just both get that same stoic, who cares look on their face. And that's why I'm saying this is a blessing in disguise for all of us, including Gal Gadot's, which is that she didn't have to be there for the long downward spiral. You know, she got to be there at the beginning. She has a small but very important prominent place. Uh, I mean, she really kicks more ass per time on screen than either of them by far. Well, the CGI uh, oh, and by the way, does. by the way, by the way, I just realized this like 10 minutes ago when I was thinking about making some Gal Gadot points, which is, you know why her fighting Doomsday looked the best of the three of them? is because he looked like the cave troll from Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. He looked exactly like the cave troll. So she's got the sword and shield, and he got the cave troll. You know what I mean? Uh, it, was, it was hilarious. I mean, it didn't even look as good as the 2001. Uh, you remember when the cave, cave troll dies? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando Bloom shoots him in the neck, and, and he squeals, and he falls. He almost feel bad for I him. I did feel I mean, bad for him. Yeah, it was so sad. Because all these asshole humans, no. dwarves, and shit are running around his house. Well, he was also a slave of the orcs. Also uh, true. Everyone was shitting on him, basically. Um, okay, so maybe can you, without getting too esoteric, right? Can you explain to me? Who is Doomsday? Where did he come from? Why did they choose him? And then if we feel like it, maybe we'll talk about how poorly it was executed. Go ahead. Okay. The answer to the last question is the easiest. They chose Doomsday because they wanted to kill Superman for a little while. Last scene in this film, the dirt on his coffin starts floating. I am spoiling this shit on purpose. There is no way Superman is going to stay dead. And if we get to talking about how they could have done this better... Moving his death to the end of this story arc, like the end of Justice League, would have made so much more sense. But they don't like Superman. They love Batman. They think he's the only commercially viable superhero in DC, I guess. So they pick the guy who kills Superman. I'm sorry. I I want you to keep going. I need to jump in for one second. I turned to my dad during the credits, and I'm shaking my head. And he was like, what, you didn't like the movie? I said, no. But I was like, you want to know what I'm really mad about? He goes, what? I said... Rule number 101 for filmmaking, if you're telegraphing that you're not really killing someone and then you kill them and everyone in the theater knows you're not killing them, don't spend 25 minutes fake 
fucking killing him. Right. I mean, that honestly, I found that more insulting than anything in the movie. That was like the end of the Return of the King, you know, the 25-minute epilogue, which is really only 10 minutes. Everyone complains about it, but at least there was like real emotion at the end of Lord of the Rings, yeah. you know? That was like a 25-minute funeral, and he's not even going to stay dead. Honestly, Zack Snyder should be arrested, uh, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm maybe even more extreme than you at this point. I think he should be disbarred. His, his <laughs> directors, you know, uh, credentials taken away. He can't be a producer. Can't be a writer. If he wants to act, fine. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, this was really because the thing is, if you're young and you're a bad filmmaker, I can understand that. He has, he's messed up. How many properties now? How many comic? What four or five major comic book properties he's messed up? Something like that. And Jesus, sorry, but, but his filmmaking style has now evolved to where in Man oh. of Steel, in our commentary, we point out all the other franchises he copies visuals from. Now he's yes. just stealing from himself. The Superman funeral is almost shot for shot identical to the comedian funeral in Watchmen. I, I mean, it's almost exactly the same thing. With the sl- Which I also did not see. I apologize. You can read the graphic novel first. I will. Which I will. is one of the best graphic novels ever written. Just so you understand what it's supposed to be. And then watch the movie and see what you think. I mean, it, it's not as bad as this. I mean, there's very few things I think that are as bad as this. Uh, which brings me to a, a would you rather I wanted to throw at you. Oh, yeah. Here we go, baby. Now, not would you rather for you, but things to have happened to Zack Snyder. Would you rather have Zack Snyder get mauled by a bear, he can live or not live, I don't care, uh, have monkeys throw poop at him, or get hit in the face with a pie, preferably of a flavor you don't like so you don't feel bad that somebody wasted a pie? I think the monkey poop. <laughs> just so he knows what a joke is? I mean, Just so he knows what a joke is, and I mean, if we can't have human poop, it's the next closest <laughs> thing, you know? <laughs> like the monkey's smart enough to know that he's pooping on someone who's going to ruin his day. <laughs> uh, returning to Doomsday, um, yeah. whose comic book origin is laughably dumb, very much a product of the terrible 1990s of comic books. Yeah, here's how Doomsday is created, and, and I'm okay. not even making any of this up. Okay, can uh, you do, do? Can you can you do a, a for dummies version? Like, assuming I know not even about comics much. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, it, it's such a dumb origin. Exactly. Exactly. This. Yeah. On some other planet, I don't think it's Krypton, but it doesn't matter. A guy comes up with an insane experiment where okay. he takes a baby and he throws it to a pack of their wild beasts or like tribal monsters or something, and the monsters rip the baby to shreds. And so he takes some of the cells from the dead, ripped up, torn apart baby, and he creates a clone. And then he has the clone baby, and he throws the clone baby to the same pack of monsters, and they rip it to shreds. And then he takes some cells from the cloned, ripped up baby, and he keeps doing this over and over and over again, cloning ripped up babies and throwing them to wolves. Is this, what he, is this the visual uh, accelerated manifestation of Darwinism? Is that what's going on here? Basically, because each time he clones the baby, over time it becomes more and more vicious until finally he creates an evil clone baby so powerful it tears all the monsters to shreds, and that's Doomsday. And then they have to stop it somehow, and then they put it in a capsule that looks like a penis, kind of like the pods they send Zod into in the first Man of Steel, and they shoot the penis pod to Earth, and somehow it gets locked underground, and then it wakes up, and that's Doomsday. He claws his way to the surface. 
he all you he already has, lost me by the way i'm i'm already i'm gone i'm okay yeah. <laughs> basically doomsday is the cloned baby of a baby that was torn apart by wolves over and over and over again it's like the f- first clone baby strong enough to not be torn apart by wolves so okay so you're Chris Nolan, David Goyer, and Zack Snyder. And you're looking at this, and you're going, this is such a bad idea. It might actually work. <laughs> exactly. It might, uh-huh. I mean, here's, but here's I mean, just to be serious for one sec, man, I'll jump back. Goyer was a co-writer on Dark Knight Rises. I mean, and Nolan's a co-writer, a co-writer on these movies. Like, what, where are these, where's the lack of quality control coming from? Or, or does this just seem brilliant to them and they can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing it's probably a little bit of both what i would like to assume is that nolan who i have not liked everything that he's done but i do no. think he's overall a pretty good filmmaker by the way bookmark it, Hans zimmer connection okay, i want to hit up the music later go ahead yes and we can talk about that yeah. uh yeah i i don't i haven't loved everything christopher nolan's done mm-hmm. i like a lot of it though i think he's a decent filmmaker and i would like to imagine the dark knight movies are mostly him David Goyer, Goyer is a, a, a dickhead, for lack of a better word. He has said really misogynistic things. He, like Zack Snyder, doesn't understand com- why comics are popular. He has said that the She-Hulk oh, was right. created so Bruce Banner could uh, have somebody to have sex with. Right. He has said if he was going to make a Martian Manhunter movie, he wouldn't be from Mars because that's stupid. Mm-hmm. He does not understand comics, and neither does Na- Zack Snyder. Um, Which is interesting because one of the numerous reasons I like Dark Knight Rises the best, my personal favorite, is the two main female characters are way more interesting than any other female characters in the series up to that point. And Anne Hathaway and Marion Cotard, who both have won Academy Awards, uh, you know, I mean, no offense to Maggie Gyllenhaal and Katie Holmes, but, you know, those were two very, very strongly written female parts. So maybe you're right. Maybe that was the Nolans. That was Christopher and Jonathan writing those female parts and, and not Goyer. Who knows? Sure. I mean, they also, in The Dark Knight Rises, they have things to do. I mean, really, what does... Uh, Rachel has Maggie nothing Jill- to do, ever, yeah. Yeah, all she does is die. Yeah. I mean, her yep. whole purpose is to be a source of tension between male characters. Yeah. They, were, you know. they, were, they were mishandled. And my, I don't, probably haven't had time to listen to my Dark Knight commentary. My main criticism, other than just the overly bloated end Rachel, to that Rachel, that's movie, that character's name. Yeah, Rachel. Rachel Dawes. Dawes. Um, my biggest uh, gripe about Dark Knight, other than the ending being a little too long and bloated, was that I really like Maggie Gyllenhaal as an actress, and they very mishandled and mis- it misused her. I thought they fixed that in The Dark Knight Rises. And this went exactly the other way, man. You know I really liked Amy Adams in Man of Steel. They were trying to shoot her, her uh, sorry, they were trying to shoehorn anything for her to do into this movie. And you know what? She acted her fucking face off. Honestly, Amy Adams should get, Amy Adams and Diane Lane, and I said this in our Man of Steel commentary, those two women should get, you know, if this was going to win any awards, which it's not, they should get them, those two women. Those two women with nothing to work with. Fucking Diane Lane killed it being a, a prisoner. I mean, she, that was the most emotionally, you know, important and interesting thing that happened in this movie. Maybe the only one. And she was amazing. She was amazing. You she know, was it, good. She got to make one of the only jokes. I don't think I'm either. Saying just to follow, well, hold on. Just to follow the David Goyer thing. I'm saying yeah. we, we can't praise actors for what they don't do, right? But right. we also can't criticize them for what they don't do. And I'm saying, based on their performance with what they had, you give Amy Adams and Diane Lane real meat, and they would be amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
I, yeah, you know, I, I've been sort of trying to stand up for Cavill, but at the very end, where Amy Adams was looking at him, saying, don't go, don't go, don't go, he wasn't even looking at her in the eyes. Yeah. Like, what? How am I supposed to believe that, you know? I, 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 I Oh, God. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting no, disgusted no, here. Totally oh, oh, right. Let's, let's, okay, so let's jump back to Doomsday, okay? So why right. does Doomsday look like a cave troll? Um, and by the way... He definitely doesn't look better than the trolls from Return of the King. Like, what no, if- he doesn't. He, <laughs> he looks terrible. And all of the yellow lightning zooming around he him. He looks like the Hobbit trolls. That's the thing. The Hobbit trolls look worse than the Lord of the Rings trolls, even though yeah. it was 10 years later. This guy looked like a Hobbit troll. Yeah, no. Uh, the final fight scene. Now, in general, I am still of the opinion that fights between humans and CGI characters generally don't work. I think in Ultron, when Cap fights Ultron on that bus oh. or whatever, that's a decent one. Oh, that's amazing. Him going after uh, Ultron. The, the, just the dynamic camera stuff they're doing there is am- I love that. I, sure. I think that's one of the best ever, easily. But what I think made Man of Steel work is that the final fight is for the most part between humans fighting each other. And this is just another... People standing around and then their CGI versions fighting CGI bad guys. And it's really, it's not cool. It's hard to understand what you're actually seeing or why anything works. Uh, All the lightning doesn't help. The score is horrible. Wonder Woman's weird southern rock guitar riff i love that that was really out of nowhere that didn't make sense no it wasn't guitar man it was it was middle eastern music let me break out the ethnomusicology there if anything they were uh they were exotifying her being from the middle east they they had an oud going they had some middle eastern now they electrified it for sure and they put some light beats over it but that was 100% a middle eastern vibe middle eastern scale no doubt about it they're setting her up as someone from that part of the world i could be wrong but musically that's what was going on and that was my favorite part musically okay well she is thing. greek or or you know she's a, a figure of greek mythology so that would make sense yeah that's mediterranean that's all the same from yeah, right. 2000 years ago it's all the same shit yeah Sure. I I mean, there's nothing I liked about this movie. I didn't like the score at all. I thought it was terrible. Okay, so <laughs> you were uh, – how do you feel about Interstellar, speaking of – oh, oh, this will be fun. Uh, and then went the lead to Interstellar. So what's your favorite um, Chris Nolan movie that's not the dark one of the Dark Knight movies? Oh, God. Um, probably – I haven't seen everything, and I'm drawing a blank on some of his other stuff. I would probably go with Inception. I thought Inception was clever. Um, I liked that it didn't it didn't quite lead you by the hand, and it didn't it it tested your intelligence a little bit as a viewer. Um, a little bit emphasis on little bits. That, I, I I refer to Inception as Matrix Light or, or Ultra Light. Uh, I, I liked Inception a lot more than Interstellar, and I liked it more than Memento, really? and I can't oh, think no. of any other Christopher Nolan movies. Okay, we're not on the same page. Memento is one of my favorite movies ever, and my but my favorite that's not Memento, because that was like before he was a big director or whatever, <laughs> is uh, The Prestige. I love The Ooh. Prestige. I like that movie too. I yeah. didn't realize that was a Christopher Nolan movie. You got um, Jackman, Bale, Scarlet, a man, that, Michael, Michael Caine. Caine, who's in every movie. Yeah. Nikola Tesla shows up. Uh, uh, yeah, Andy Serkis is in it. I mean, they just yeah, it's it's awesome. But um, okay, you may have anyways. convinced me. I like that movie more than Inception for sure. Well, so. in Prestige is one of those movies where you know the big twist is coming at the end. Well, first of all, there's big twists throughout the movie. That has the best and most Nolan twists. I mean, there's like, you know, where he's reading the journal and he's like actually reading the guy who 
writing writing the fake journal for him to read. I mean, there's like so much of that stuff. But the final twist, spoiler alert. Actually, I won't ruin it. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. When we find out how Hugh Jackman is doing his tricks. Um, in the end, it, it just gives me chills every single time. And so he's capable of it. I actually really liked Interstellar on subsequent viewings. I did not love it in the first viewing. I, I for some reason, went the second time in the theater and really liked the second viewing, mostly because of his daughter. I love his relationship with Mackenzie Foy, who got a lot of acclaim for her role in that movie. Um, and Their that, whole relationship was him saying Merv over and over again. Merv, I, Interstellar yeah. really didn't. Okay, so here, here's the connection. Is Interstellar was criticized heavily, including by myself, but eventually became a public campaign that the Hans Zimmer music for the second half of the movie was so, so loud yeah. that you could not hear anything. And Christopher Nolan denied this, but they did end up changing it, and not even like for DVD. Like whenever like the second round of film reels went out or whatever, I heard that they changed the sound balance and Nolan denied it. And then he sort of didn't deny it. And then it was definitely changed when you hear it on DVD now where it's very clear. Um, and it was like the same mess all over again with the music. It was so, ugh, it was exhausting. It was really exhausting that music. And I'm a big Hans Zimmer guy, but the problem is you got to have the right movie for it. You know, if it's Gladiator, he'll you know he'll kill it. You know, if it's right. Dark Knight Rises, I love the Dark Knight Rises yeah, soundtrack. He, it's amazing. But you know, even the first Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, the the the, the music for the first Pirates of the Caribbean music. I know this. You know, whatever. It's not a popular movie, but it's an excellent excellent I love score. The first Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean. Okay, me too. And the score is amazing. So this is definitely them telling Zimmer more and more and more louder, louder, louder. Right? I mean, right. Yeah. Or it's. It was Zimmer and some other guy whose name is really weird. It's like okay. Junkie XL or Jun- something. Well, I've never even heard of. He's he's a he's a beats guy. He's like a hip hop beats guy. So okay. he's the one that does the beats and so like the Wonder Woman mixing, like the way they mixed in the Wonder Woman theme, even though it sounded right. totally out of left field, but just from a tone a, a tonal standpoint, in terms of like the volume level and whatever and how it was mixed in was brilliant. That's you bring in a guy like that. He's basically a producer, but he's so famous he gets a, an opening credit. Essentially, he, he, yeah, he's just I a just really feel like yeah. a guy whose background is Wagnerian and a guy whose background is Daft Punk. You put them together, and it doesn't work. I mean, you if you like the Wonder Woman thing, cool. To me, it sounds discordant. It sounds wrong. That's because for that it was moment. the only interesting composition in the entire movie. I think you were just so thrown back by it. Yeah, because it's Middle Eastern. It's 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 the opposite of Wagner. That's the whole point. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I liked it. I like I liked everything about Gal Gadot. I love Wonder Woman. I love the costume. I like that she was coy and didn't say much, and they're saving it. I love that she she is not only going to be with Chris Pine, but they're going to be in like the early 1900s together. Like 1918, World War One. Yeah. So is is going to be a World War One movie? Is that really yeah. going to happen? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like that in the book. That's so cool. I'm excited for that. Well, they introduced Wonder Woman really early. I think not World War One, but World War Two. There was a Wonder Woman who was a member of what was called the Justice Society of America, which was the precursor to the JLA. Comics kept going and going and going, and then suddenly you're in like the 1980s, and it doesn't make sense that you had a Wonder Woman in the 40s and the 80s. So they kind of skewed it so that it's her mother, Hippolyta, in the JSA, and she's the daughter and she's in the JLA, uh, the Justice League of America. Hmm. Um, so, if but if they're going to do her and put her in World War One, 
I'm fine with that. I mean, you gotta love about Chris Pine. You gotta love about Chris Pine. He can play an all-American boy in any century. <laughs> you know, and the woman who is directing it, um, I think Patty Jenkins is her name, or, or yes. something like that. Who was supposed she, to direct Thor too, I believe, originally. Right. Yeah. She did Monster, so clearly she knows how to make a movie that's actually from a female perspective, which yeah. we still don't have. I mean, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be Wonder Woman, and it's gonna be Captain Marvel. Who they, <laughs> by the way, we know that Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Chadwick Boseman, and uh, one other, uh, oh, and Paul Rudd at least are gonna be in the Captain Marvel movie, and we still don't right. know who the fuck Captain Marvel is gonna be. You know what though? Marvel Studios is just saying to DC, you know what? You guys take this one. We've beat yeah. you in everything else, basically. So you you have the first major female superhero movie, and you see how that goes. And I think they're we already watch have it. Jessica Jones. We've already created. Right. I mean, Captain Marvel is going to have to be really, really, really good. Can you check off? A, it, do we know that for a fact? It I know that she's still is. in the running. I I, I know that. Her, Katie Sackhoff and Catherine Winnick from Vikings, who's amazing, uh, and a couple other women, including Emily Blunt, have been in talks for like, right. the, or not talks, but have been talked about for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, but the casting is important, but nobody knew Christian Ritter was going to do with Jessica Jones what she did. I mean, I predicted it on a podcast. I can send it to you if you'd like. Okay, so maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't get to brag very much on my own podcast, but honestly, I, I called, I called Jessica Jones like five miles away. So my point is Captain Marvel to be better than Jessica Jones is going to have to be ridiculously amazing because there has not been too many female characters in any genre who are that well-written, complex, nuanced, emotionally, you know, showing that kind of emotional range and kick that much ass. So, I mean, well, here's the thing, though. She can survive in space like she exists also in the Guardians universe. So she's going to get to do her thing on Earth. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because there's also Captain Marvel, Marvel the Cree, but whatever. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I'm reaching far here. Okay, so who are the three major new solo? This is a little sidebar, but we got to do it because I need, I need to get a little Marvel here. So a little mm-hmm. sidebar. From, from now until Infinity War, the three major new Marvel solo characters are Doctor Strange, Cosmic, Black Panther, not cosmic, but has an infinity stone, so it has a cosmic connection. Captain Marvel cosmic. I think it's pretty clear those three are going to be central in taking down Thanos, and that's how they'll move everything forward. Which brings me to my question about why, why, why is DC building backwards? Why are they building backwards? Why aren't they building forwards? We talked about this. Marvel's done it. The X-Men wishes it had done it. Now, the X-Men have been good enough that they've survived it, and now they're able to spin off people and now have group movies and spinoffs at the same time. But it took them a lot longer than Marvel Studios. Why Matt Goisman, a doctorate of DC uh, Comics... <laughs> Literally, because my honors thesis was on DC Comics. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. why, did, why did they decide to start with a team movie after everything we know in 2016? I really wish I had a good answer for that. I, I think they felt like if they did it as slowly as Marvel did, they were just going to be behind the curve, but behind the eight ball that all the time. I know, but... They are not happy being the number two team, you know, they superhero just, genre franchise. They just solidified it. They just solidified it. Oh, yeah, totally. They created a rushed, 
over I don't want I don't know if cap, capitalistic is not the right word but inorganic is a good word Marvel built its cinematic universe very slowly and very uh, from castoffs by the way supposedly castoff properties right but they introduced characters a little bit at a time they made sure all of them got their own kind of thing until they had to come together um, they get you know they had four or five movies leading up to it so you knew who all these people were right. Do you see the way they've decided to do this is throw in a superhero that doesn't exist in this world and we're just supposed to assume all this shit about Batman, wipe out Superman for the, you know, however long he's going to be dead for, I would assume less than half of the first Justice League movie, right. uh, and then force all these other people in. This is something I wanted to talk about. I know you're sick of, you've said you're sick of origin movies. But I think if they had done a Batman solo film first, we just saw it. It's called Batman Begins, and then, and then we got another like secondary origin story with his recovery in Dark Knight Rises. I can't take it. I know Martha Bruce Wayne. I'm I don't know. Well, but, I'm tired sorry. of seeing the Waynes die. I mean, seriously, oh, at this point, I can't believe they did it. I knew they were going to, but I, I still couldn't believe it because they were taking from Dark Knight Returns and the the shattering necklace and the pearls falling to the ground. That's like. There are so many iconic images from Dark Knight Returns. One of the first ones is the death scene. But like I said with Man of Steel, we know what everybody who's going to watch this movie knows the origin story at this point. Unless you're going to do something different where maybe the wings don't die or they die differently, do we keep needing to see them get shot in front of a little kid yeah. outside of a movie okay. theater? It's I, just fucking I want to get I want to get redundant. back. I want to get back to that in one sec. I just ha- I, I just had a thought though. Hold on, this thought needs to be thrown out in front of you for your opinion. Is it possible that Zack Snyder should have just been making rated R movies this whole time and kept his fucking hands out of like semi-family movies or comic book movies? I mean, think about Quentin Tarantino. Think about if you go to the beginning. I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as Tarantino. Obviously, he's not. But I'm just saying, think of Quentin Tarantino. He's a rated R director, right? Yeah. Has he ever directed a PG-13 movie? I don't think so. Why would he want to? He's ultra-violent. And what's great about Tarantino is, in, <laughs> against all odds, his movies got more and more and more and more, more violent, and then he came up with two of the most cerebral movies ever, in my opinion, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Um, right. you know, late in his career, maybe Zack Snyder should be looking at Tarantino being like, you know what? I'm going to make a bunch of bloody pulpy rated R movies for the next 10 years. And then maybe just maybe if I'm lucky, the gods will bless me with a good idea, like an actually good quality idea. Well, I certainly think it would help in editing, which is a problem <laughs> with this movie and man is steel. Wait, to there was an extent. editor. <laughs> I would assume I, I mean the credits are 20 minutes long I would assume an editor's name came up at some point I mean maybe it was just his dog but you know just if he could do a rated R film at least then he could actually cut scenes in a way that doesn't strip them out in a very condescending way to make them you know uh, sanitized violence and instead were actual scenes where there's real violence but then they start and finish in a way that actually makes some kind of logical sense i i think become making rated r movies would be good for Zack snyder i i think he maybe wb told him you can't do that but i think daredevil has pretty much proven you can do not daredevil deadpool has pretty much proven you can do that and still make a lot a lot of money um, um I, by the way i want to take this opportunity uh this is a, a public service announcement actually matt it's the first one 
Um, I wanted don't to see this movie. That's my public service. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is paid for by the Bizzlecast, um, which is that we are beginning the Bizzlecast Disaster Relief Foundation for your brains after this movie. So please donate now. We've got already tens of millions of dead brains, including mine's and Matt's, after seeing this movie. <laughs> please donate. We've got, we've got neurosurgeons on hand. You know, we can re- replace that tissue for you in like 20 minutes, but don't let it linger because it will eat at your brain and destroy your soul. Back to you, Matt. Yeah, this movie is the comic book goers, but... What like playing football for a long time is to football players, pretty much. You know, this movie is a, a walking concussion yeah. uh, waiting to happen. Yeah, you think um, you think it'll be it's going to be a boxer? You're like, oh, that's bad enough. You're like, oh wow, it's actually a wide receiver or football player. You know, pretty much, even you worse. Know, yeah, this is this is almost like just being like an offensive lineman who get it the worst, where it's just little micro concussions going up your brain your brainstem for like two two and a half straight hours. But, <laughs> There's too many Batman origin movies, yeah. but if we had that, this movie, Batman v Superman, would be much shorter, which I, I can't imagine anybody is going to say, oh, no, it wasn't short enough. It, it should have been longer. I mean, this was a fucking long movie. This was a drag. Honestly, I would have launched with Justice League. You combine Gal Gadot with fucking Jason Momoa, you already have a better team going for you right there. And you, sure. And you bring in Ben Affleck as a support role, right? He'd be like the father. He'd be the leader of the team for the first just few movies. Don't even bother with Superman, you know, or, or bring him in recast later on down the road. They're not making, as you pointed out, they're not making a Superman movie in our life lifetime again is apparently especially after this so just go straight to justice league i mean we you and i both praise the casting of both gal gadot and jason momoa and right. we didn't see much of momoa but we were right about gadot and i think we're going to be right i mean you know momoa is, has a sci-fi fantasy pedigree like that's like where he comes from and yes his stuff is a little cheesy but you know it's aquaman you know like I I think it's going to that's the mistake was was to keep rebooting back to um like in a way in a way Marvel actually I never really think about this in Marvel Studios it actually worked in their favor that they didn't have access to Spider-Man or X-Men because right. they had to look at all the properties and say okay who can we really build around and who can we like nail a casting for like Robert Downey Jr for Iron Man right. You know, I don't even love the Iron Man movies. I I grew up reading Iron Man. He mm-hmm. is Iron Man. Like I, I can't even read the comics anymore. I'm just like he's fucking Iron Man. You know, but I, when I, even when I was growing up, not that many people were reading Iron Man. Like I had to go to the you know the second layer of the the bookshelf and then in the uh, in the comic book store or whatever to get some of those issues. Um, I don't know. You know, they they just keep you keep, you keep falling back on that old horse. Eventually, it's just gonna die, and you're gonna have to shoot it. <laughs> right, but I I don't know. I, one thing I think that worked in Marvel's favor, though, is that they did have to do origin stories. Very few people know what Thor's origin story is. Well, that's because they didn't do one, which was brilliant. That's why I loved about yeah, the but they still story. had to set up that world. You know, I, yeah. I think comic book readers know how Iron Man, why he is, how he is, how Captain America works. Those origin stories are less known than you think, and once you get to DC with the other Justice League characters. Very few people could tell you who don't read Justice League could tell you what Cyborg's origin is. People who don't watch the Flash TV show don't know how the Flash got his powers. No one knows who Aquaman is. Aquaman has never been popular with anybody. Okay, but, but, 
I agree with you. And I never cared about Wonder Woman. But I but I hear Gal Gadot, I'm, I'm already interested. I know nothing about the character. Momoa, I'm very excited. Know nothing about that character. Cyborg, I never even heard of. Was not that the most horrifying three minutes of PG-13 movie watching ever? I, there were people there with those seven-year-old kids while that cyborg guy was getting built and tortured and everything. Yeah. That was disturbing, but I'm excited about it. I'm, let's think. I'm more uh, excited about all of these other characters than I am about Batman Superman. And I think they did the right thing with Ben Affleck and let him sit in the background a little bit. But Henry Cavill, with the writing, just couldn't carry it. He just couldn't carry it. And, and, and you know, I, I was the one on the Man of Steel commentary speculating that he did have enough charisma and skill to really go to the next level. And honestly, I, I still don't have enough evidence one way or the other. But he certainly isn't someone that, like Christian Bale, will always elevate a movie by, like, one or two steps regardless of, of the movie, right? No, but I feel like Batman v Superman didn't even give him a chance. Um, but what I wanted to point out is, all right, so you were mentioning that torture scene with Cyborg, which is a, a good tie back into that the That was comics. Cyborg, right? Yeah, that's Cyborg. That's Vic Stone and his dad. Yeah. All right, so... I was like, by the way, sorry to interrupt. Uh, uh, this is because of you. During all of those scenes, I was like whispering to my dad who all the superheroes were. I was like, Matt told me. Matt said this was Cyborg. Matt said this was, you know, oh, there's Jason Momoa. That's Aquaman. Sorry, go ahead. I got very excited. All right. So here's what I think would have worked a lot better as a, a, a format. If you don't want to see another Batman origin movie, that's fine. I'd still think a Batman solo movie, even if it's not an origin, maybe it splices the origin and the way the way Deadpool a standalone Batman movie with no origin. That would be brilliant. Okay, and then at the last scene of that movie, it takes place in the past because this move, Batman v Superman hints that he was Batman for a long time and then gave it up. So you show a Batman in the past movie, not an origin story, but a, a Batman solo movie. The last scenes of that are him becoming aware of Superman, watching the, the chaos in Metropolis. Right. That sets up the conflict in the opening scenes of Justice League. And the reason why it should be there is this movie is very much relying on the 2011 origin for Justice League and what's called the New 52. Okay, I know. No, no. Hold on. I, I really want to talk about the New 52 because I've heard about this before and I've heard specifically that this Wonder Woman is the New 52 version of Wonder Woman. So, Matt, give us the two-minute um, do- doctorate, uh, DC doctorate uh, version for the masses about what the hell the new fucking 52 is. Okay. About every five to ten years, DC Comics wipes out everything in its history and starts over. God, wouldn't 80- that be great for your life if you just had <laughs> If you could do that? God. Get oh, new man. artists draw you, like make you better looking and slicker. Well, and... the problem is I couldn't wait five years. Like right. I'd, be, I'd be one year in, I'd be like, eh, reset, you know, yeah. six months. I don't like this girl. Eh, reset. It's okay. Sorry. Yeah, if retconning in real life existed, everybody <laughs> would be fucking doing it all the time. <laughs> so the first one of those was Crisis on Infinite Earths okay. in 85. In 94, I want to say, was Zero Hour. You don't have to know the plots of any of these. These were just events that wiped out all of history and restarted it. Yeah, but I heard that Wonder Woman is now Zeus's daughter, which was not yeah. her original role, but that's so much cooler. I Maybe this yeah. is just the Battlestar Galactica nerd in me with the whole Greek god science fiction thing, but I kind of hope that's true. I think that would be dope. The original version is that the queen of the, of the Amazons prays for a child and sculpts a child out of the sand and the clay on the beaches of Themyscira, her island, and then the goddesses and gods all bless the 
the clay thing, bring it to life, give it powers. That was wait. She was in, she was from from South America. No, an island called Themyscira or Paradise oh, Island. You said Amazon, so I figured you were talking about. They are the Amazon River is. I don't know what the tie is, but the Amazons were an ancient warrior race in Greek mythology. That's where that word comes from. I don't know why Amazon River, why it got called oh, that. Those, uh, those, oh, okay. I thought you were yeah, using Amazon. Well, some, sometimes people use it as just like a way of describing female warriors generically yeah, or whatever. But that's a Greek yeah. mythology thing. I, right. I don't know Greek, so I don't know what okay, Amazon so, 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 So she's staying in Greek mythology. They're just changing the relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. in the New 52, yeah, she's a version of – she's Zeus's daughter. If you read Greek mythology, Zeus mostly spends his time raping women. So the idea that he's got a bunch of kids running around is really not all that implausible. Can I, um, can I propose something to you? Yeah. A single movie alliance between Marvel and DC, Thor okay. v. Wonder Woman. Yeah. And when I say V, I mean have a lot of sex with but also fight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God's, that's God's sex. That's demigod sex. Doesn't get better than that, right? I mean, that would be earth shattering, maybe literally. <laughs> so, I want to finish telling us what the new 52 is. Uh, mid 2000s, there was something called Infinite Crisis. And then in 2010 sorry, or 2011, excuse me, there was an event called Flashpoint where the Flash ruins history, fucks everything okay, up. Okay, this sounds like every science fiction story ever. Well, what's. So so what what's the what's the let, let me let me rephrase what is the philosophy behind the new fifty two slash kill everyone every five years philosophy because Marvel does this like once every twenty years basically yeah DC does it because they lose I mean DC and Marvel change writers all the time it's just really fucking hard when you have all these different characters you know Superman's got anywhere from two to five monthly titles uh a simultaneously can i jump in here real quick um just to extend the thought um because i just don't know these days uh, you know yes on the one hand the comic books industry is up and down you know it's not in great shape it's not in horrible shape writers coming in and out it's not like the old days where you know marvel had chris claremont for like you know 20 years or something like right. that and he he invented like all of their most interesting comics post 1975 anyways um you know, there's guys like Brian Michael Bendis at Marvel. That that I, I actually I almost sent you some Bendis stuff instead of the the uh, new Avengers. Uh, Bizzlecast listeners, when I pr- promote my friends to co-contributor status, I've been trying to buy them some cool comic books, whether they're into them or not. Matt is into comic books, definitely. And uh, oh no, wait, is that Bendis? That doesn't no, that's Jonathan Hickman. Um, but anyways, Bendis. In addition to doing a lot of the best X Men, Avengers, like all the major properties, like he invented Jessica Jones. Like in mm. two thousand one, November two thousand one, he launched a four year series called Alias, aka Jessica Jones. Yep. Character was popular, not popular enough. They brought her back in something called The Pulse in two thousand five, two thousand six, where the Defenders were involved and Spider Man was involved, but she was the main character, and he's the you know senior Marvel guy on the jessica jones netflix um marvel team right he's been around for like 15 years so i guess won some eisner awards he's really good um i was gonna ask about dc um 
Like, uh, you know, who, like, who, who's coming up with the ideas, the good ideas that are coming through in, in these various movies? Uh, who, who are some of the people past or present that, w- that uh, we can just throw in real quick? And then maybe we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with some games. Um, DC writers to, to get some quality stuff for these characters in recent years. Which I'm happy to do, but I want to finish explaining what the new 52 is. Oh yeah, sorry, what, go ahead. Yeah. and how this relates to what we're watching. Well, on I guess what team. I'm saying is, like, mention you know writers along the way if you want who are involved. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, this will all tie in. You'll, you, I think you'll like where I'm going with this. Anyway, uh, Flashpoint, the Flash fucks up everything. He's got to set it right. He does, but he changes history enough that we have a new version of history called the New 52. They call it that because DC wants to puts out 52 titles a month, so 13 each week, basically. They don't stick with them. A lot of them die in the first year, but they've got a fascination with 52, with the number 52, because it's the number of weeks in a year. There's nothing more interesting than that. They create 52 alternate Earths in the 2005 reboot, which is called Infinite Crisis, Um, and then they do an actually a good weekly comic series for a year, so one every one hey man, week over 52. whenever Marvel wants to do it, they just call it a secret war, and that's the, right. Exactly, that's <laughs> secret war is to Marvel what all of the what crisis. If something has the word yeah. crisis in it, yeah. it's probably going to re- rewrite all of history. I actually like that they change it up every five years. I think that's brilliant. I think that works better with with people today. I think it's self aware enough that it's really hard to keep this continuity straight. I think there's still a way to do it without alienating older readers the way the New Fifty Two specifically did. Um, a lot of older people stopped reading comics because they were like, so the shit I've been reading since I was 10 and now I'm 50 doesn't – none of it mattered at all. Fuck you. I'm going to go read something else. Yeah. Um, I mean I, like it, it would be easy though. You just have – you have a, you're like a central Justice League and then central Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman main characters and then everything else is up for grabs every five right. years. But like those characters keep on going. I don't know why you can't do both of those things. Okay. So – when you have all right, so the new fifty two happens. They started up in two thousand eleven, and the guy who takes over the Justice League title, which um, is one of the, I mean, it's one of the ones to debut. I think the first week of the new fifty two is Jeff Johns, who is the chief creative officer at DC Comics right now. He has spearheaded all of the TV shows like Smallville, Arrow, Flash. He is a huge higher up in the world, and he writes a lot of the really good mainstream DC comics that have come out over the last 15 years. In Justice League, the Justice League bonds together because they have to fight an international, interdimensional bad guy named Darkseid, who's basically Thanos from Marvel. He's just different is colors. Who is, is that who is teased at the end of, uh, yes. of the when, movie? Yes. When okay. Lex is, is mumbling about the message is ringing to space. For the record, they should not have arrested Lex Luthor. That was a terrible move. Terrible, terrible move. Why? They, why? Should, have, they should have arrested him, but one, they don't shave your head when they put you in jail. No, he's and not two, evil if he can get arrested. Now, now he's not evil anymore. If he was that smart well, and evil. he's still a criminal. I, whatever. I, well, he caused, he caused a cosmic war on Earth, and they could, he couldn't keep his fingerprints off the, the, the crime? Come on. This is a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's, anyway. it's a... It, well, I think the assumption is Batman put together some kind of case against him. With I all don't of his think Daredevil 
should have put Wilson Fisk behind bars after season one. I thought that was a, I haven't watched the new season, but I've heard from my dad a little bit. I, I think getting rid of your villain too. It's like Loki, you know, what yeah. if they had killed off Loki after the first Thor movie? Hey, there, I, there aren't a lot of Vincent D'Onofrio's around, you know, right. like the that, scene with Lex in jail is the last bad scene in a bad movie or the second to last bad scene in a bad movie. So anyway, dark side comes to earth. He wants to take over the earth. He wants to enslave all the humans the superheroes have to bond together. One of the the way the Dark Side and his minions use these living computers called mother boxes, which are these cubes that beep and they can con- they can compute, they can open what are called boom tubes, which are these interdimensional portals that make a big boom sound when they open. I, I swear to God, that's why they're called that. And Cyborg gets formed when Darkseid's minions attack the lab that he's in. He's a football player, but his dad is a scientist and doesn't believe there's any reason to be an athlete in a world with superheroes in it. So he's visiting his dad in the lab. The lab explodes. He gets cut in half. He's dying. His dad has to save his life. And so his dad is able to bond him with one of these mother cute boxes, which regrows his body, gives him access to some of Darkseid's technology, Ultimately, that's how they're able to repel Darkseid and send him back to his home planet. Um, and so that scene where that thing comes alive and starts building him this stuff, but it hurts, that's all the New 52 origin of Cyborg, which directly relates to the New 52 origin of the Justice League. But while all that is going on, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, who've never met each other, are fighting in basically an, an, an alley. And then they see these alien monsters and they go fight them and that's how they bond together. Like and in the they, movie. Right. So let's take this fight with, right. between Batman and Superman and put it at the beginning of the Justice League movie and then you've got the comic book origin of the modern Justice League, the 2011 New 52 version yep. of the Justice League. You know, you know why? I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. I'm going to put a kibosh on this whole thing. Right. Christopher Nolan. There's no way Chris Nolan's going to stay involved and say, yeah, you can replace my three, you know, all-time great movies with uh, a new origin story within, you know, three years of Dark Knight Rises coming out. No way he would have gone for it. No way. No way. No way. You know, and he's the guy that recruited Affleck. I hate to say it. It's not just an ego thing. He's right. You know, he did it. (laughs) He did it great. So why are they here relying on Batman so soon after making over $2.5 billion in the theater for three Batman movies and the Dark Knight trilogy. They seem to have learned nothing creatively. They seem to have nothing yeah. in terms of their organization. I, I, you know, If I didn't know Chris Nolan was involved, I'd be like, why the fuck isn't Chris Nolan involved? Now I'm like, Chris Nolan, what the fuck are you doing? Um, yeah. you know? And I really want to believe he had much less to do with this one than he did with his own movies. He could take I his mean, name off that credit reel if he wanted to, trust me. He could take I, his name off, and he wanted it there. For all we know, he might. And that might not be the worst thing. I mean, we didn't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe could function without Joss Whedon, but Winter Soldier was awesome to the point that I am totally willing to give the Rosso brothers a shot running. I'm excited for Civil War, and I think they're going to do a fine job with Infinity War too, assuming... They don't bite off too much. Uh, if they don't bite off more, they, they can chew with the number of superheroes they want to put in that movie because they've said they want to have like 50 people in that movie, which seems ridiculous. But, you know, so if shifting it so that you have a solo Batman movie that Affleck directs because he's a good director, and then you go into a Justice League movie from there that starts with a Batman-Superman fight, 
if the worst thing that happens is Nolan backs out of that project, I don't think that's, you know, catastrophic. It's not catastrophic, but you know what? We're actually making excuses for them here. We're making excuses, honestly. Right. We're sitting well, here making excuses for them. Something constructive and not no. just shit on, on how I think they could have done, rolled out the DC. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't be constructive. I'm saying we're talking about the structural problems. Right. But there's only two things you need, and you and I have agreed on this across the board: good writing and good actors. Yep. That's what you need. That's what you need. The Guardians of the Galaxy could have looked even way cheesier than it did and still would have been amazing. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, I love the first kick-ass movie. He a good movie. director, too, <laughs> yeah. I mean, James Gunn definitely did a yeah. great job directing Guardians. Yeah, I mean, my, my favorite uh, Iron Man movie is Iron Man 3, directed by Shane Black, who I think is a very interesting and funny director. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's all right. The Russo, I think I texted you about the Russo brothers, right? Yeah. I was like, it's too bad they're Marvel for life because, you know, they would make a fucking amazing Batman movie. Um, you know, but, uh, Probably. yeah, but, um, uh, but the point is, point is, you know, Henry Cavill with Goya writing, it's not Joss Whedon with Robert Downey Jr. It's not, I mean, let's be honest. If we have to look back to 2008, other than the first Iron Man movie, what is the most important movie in terms of the future of comic book movies that came out? It's The Avengers, right? In 2012. Mm-hmm. If The oh, Avengers yeah. did not do what it did, the Marvel Cinematic Universe might not be alive today. And, and also, the DC Extended Universe, or whatever it's called, the DCEU, will be not trying to do what it's doing today. And so that's why I said with Joss Whedon for Ultron, do, do whatever you want. I happen to love it. Not everyone loved it. Whatever. Ultron, doesn't matter. The first Avengers in 2012. And it just goes to show you, like, when you've got nothing else, be funny, right? When you have nothing, just yeah. be funny. Do Deadpool. Make hor- horrible jokes. I mean, you know, you talked about the composition of the Deadpool jokes. We also talked about the ad-libbing in that movie. But not only that, half of it's the delivery, you know? Yeah. I mean, you see those jokes on a page, you're like, this is terrible. You know, if, if someone showed you the Deadpool script who you didn't like, really respect and you didn't know anything about Deadpool and you just read it, I bet you and I wouldn't f- find it that funny. But framed how it was, written how it was, with the cultural references that it had, and with the actors you know, and filmmakers, you can make it work. So you've Batman v Superman, which may make a billion, but cost half a billion. You got Deadpool; they don't even want money for their next movie. <laughs> <laughs> like they're, you know, as long as they get paid, they're willing to do it for free, basically. I mean, you have so much love, and I know that's Fox, you know. And so Fox is sort of now in this position. It's weird, you know. Fantastic Four is a disaster. X Men is actually maybe getting good again, long term, you know. Spider Man, they're like, oh no, that's Sony. Sorry, they don't have Spider Man, so they have to deal with that. So yeah, so Fox is sort of in the middle there. Um, sidebar, I couldn't help thinking during um Super- Batman v Superman that I think X Men Apocalypse, while it might not be an A plus movie, will be a much better version of what this movie was trying to accomplish. Yes, that's exactly what I was in my head as you were bringing up X Men Apocalypse. Is I think it's going to be a very similar movie thematically, but I just, I mean, how can something be worse than this? Really, 
I have tried to think of how many. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think Brian Singer, and I mentioned this in our last podcast, and they showed even more of it with Olivia Munn as Psylocke, who I told you about. is fucking amazing. Storm looks unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, The Cyclops stuff looks as good as it ever did. It looks so real, that red. I don't know how they get that color. But I think Brian Singer is going to out Zack Snyder. Snyder. Do you remember we were watching Man of Steel? And I think it was Fiora. Is that her name? Yeah. Um, Did that sort of video game move. Where mm-hmm. she like fast moved like bu- 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 like a chess right. piece a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, they teased us that with Wonder Woman tonight. I thought we were going to get more of that, and then I'm watching the Apocalypse trailer. I'm like, wow! Like, we saw more in the Apocalypse trailer than in all of the movie tonight. That seems like a Zack Snyder move, but I think Brian Singer, Singer is actually going to make it look better. Like, it's going to just be more uh, more appealing. But he's clearly doing some of that stylized stuff. So I think this is going to work out well for X-Men. I definitely think this is going to work out well for Captain America. Um, oh, yeah. I think Kevin uh, Feige has got to be just, like, dancing. Yeah. Because they knew they were going to get the billion. They knew they, knew they were going to get their billion. And you and I said it, right? You actually said it more than me. You were you were saying that this movie was definitely going to make over a billion, I think, or, or did we agree that it would be like around a billion? I can't remember. Batman v Superman. I yeah. think I assumed it would make eight hundred million, oh, okay. nine hundred million. Yeah, but yeah, no. With with returns like this, it might it might break a billion. But Kevin Feige and the people he reports to, I mean, he can say, "Look, Thrilled. this is what our biggest competition is doing. Thrilled. We are so much better than this. Yeah, just let us keep doing our thing. We will keep making decent movies that will also make you guys bank." Also, uh, I, I have – and this will be my last money comment for the podcast, which is that I've heard that this movie was secretly a lot more expensive than it was. Oh, I have no doubt it was. Yeah. I mean, like it was maybe a- $100 million more than reported, like a $350 million movie before I'm, marketing. Yeah, mar- but marketing was a lot. I, this actually is a funny reported. story. Um, so I <laughs> – I read comic books weekly, and about once a month, I go to my. There's no comic book stores on Cape Cod, unfortunately. I know, so there's I get like them. three in Philadelphia, if you can believe. Yeah. and we're such a hipster town. You'd think they'd be all over the place, but they're right? really not. Yeah. So when I go back to my hometown in Brookline, just outside of Boston, there is one. That's really? where I go to get my stuff. And every DC comic has Batman v Superman, the like the gray logo spray oh. across the top. Oh. And I hated this movie so much. That I have comics on my dresser in my room that I don't want to start reading uh, because I don't want to look at the logo, uh, even though these are comics that have nothing to do with any of the characters. Matt, I but, feel so bad for you. I'm I'm petting you right now in a in a you. heterosexual, non-threatening way. <laughs> <laughs> in a not like romance about to make out. Right. Not, non-invasive. <laughs> non-invasive was the word I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The funniest one of those though is. There was a special edition cover for the latest issue of Wonder Woman, uh, but on the cover is Batman choking Superman. Wonder Woman is in the fucking movie, and the picture on the Wonder Woman comic is of the other guy. I, I just... You know what? Though, that, know that's going to change. Like? That's going to change. This feels to me like Zack Snyder is secretly like a 10-year-old... And so when you tell a 10-year-old not to do something, they get defensive and they just do everything you tell them not to do, but worse. Okay, here's, here's my best case scenario. And this is going to circle back to my earlier argument. And then maybe we can uh, uh, wrap a um, uh, uh, couple more segments, which is maybe this is a backdoor. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a sneak in football? Like a backdoor sneak, you know? 
Like, okay. Meaning they're actually thinking what we're thinking, that the future is Godot and Momoa and, you know, The Rock and whoever the hell else is going to be in this thing, you know, but we got to do it through this, the Superman, Batman, Justice League thing or whatever. But, right. but that they're actually holding back. And this will be a good way to... I was going to go further with that thought, but now that I'm here yeah, in terms of holding back, dude, how... It looked like shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it really it, looked horrible. And, 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 and by the way, Bizzlecast listeners, if for some reason you didn't listen to the Man of Steel commentary, you should go check it out. You're probably a lot more interested now. What did I do annoyingly the entire Man of Steel commentary? What did I do? I was constantly complimenting the special effects work. Yeah. I said it looked better than the Marvel stuff. Right. I said that even when I hated the scenes, I loved watching them because mm-hmm. it was beautiful. It had a cool space battle. It had that stuff on Krypton that I, I agreed with you was visually cool looking. They just turned the lights on on this entire movie. I mean, yeah. they did the battles in Man of Steel in bright daylight. And especially after you have that horrible Jesse Eisenberg speech about day versus night, you're going to have a Superman battle all during night? Like, really? <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, by the way, the one cool thing was the Batmobile in the Batcave. That's it. That was that yeah. looked great. The Batman stuff was better than the Superman it stuff. Just across- I like the armored suit, but he did look like the Mark I Iron Man suit a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Another critic uh, described it as looking like fat Robocop. <laughs> Or Fat Tony Stark. Yeah, I go either way. Yeah, yeah I mean... He did but, look like RoboCop. That's a good call. <laughs> you know, the fight itself sucked. I guess every fight is just people punching each other. But what got so annoying about the last third of Man of Steel was it, just, it was just 40 minutes of Superman punching things. And then this movie is an hour and 45 minutes of him not doing anything and then punching things. Can, can I throw out another depressing thought? Yeah. Um... What if? Because there's so many. We could talk before. No, but these are these are funny, interesting, depressing thoughts. Okay. What if, like Chris Nolan, ten years ago, Zack Snyder is thinking to himself, "Wait, when did Batman Begins come out? 2005, something like that." Okay, so let's say let's say 12 to 15 years ago. You're just getting your film career started. Both of those guys, right? Nolan and Snyder, and they're sitting at a cafe. And they're talking, and they're like, dude, how great would it be to do a fucking Batman trilogy? And the <laughs> other guy is like, oh, man, that would be my fucking dream, do a fucking Batman trilogy. And then three years later, Chris Nolan gets signed to do the fucking Batman trilogy. And now he's bringing in his boy, Zack Snyder. He's like, ah, but you can't do Batman. You got to do Superman. I don't really like Superman. Sorry, man. Got to do Superman. But you know I wanted Batman. Well, I got Batman first, man. You know? Sorry. You, you know? It's like, it's, it's like Zack Snyder got stuck with Superman. He's better with Batman. He's better with Batman in a third of a movie than Spider-Man in two movies. Am I wrong? Well, <laughs> what I think would have happened is if Zack Snyder and I mean, he uh, had, Christopher I'm Nolan sorry, I'm had... sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. He had ba- Batman killing people. Yeah, he did. And I was actually okay with it for the first time ever because the stakes uh, felt right for this to be happening. I mean, he wasn't intentionally killing people. Yes, he was. He shot that dude in the That was a plane. dream. That was a dream. No, when he saves Martha, he shoots a guy in his flamethrower backpack. It, that guy burns to death. There's no way you can convince it's me he Martha. did. It's Martha. You've got to save Martha. 
Yeah, but you, you don't, don't kill necessarily that guy to have to light the other guy on fire to yeah, save Yeah, I don't him. have this no-killing issue that you do. It's, it's just okay. a different thing. Yeah, and, I, and in Dark Knight Returns... But I'm, and this saying, is something... but I'm saying it's less offensive with Batman than Superman. On that point, I'm agreeing with you. Maybe, but... And I really do want to bring this in, because this is important, and it Go. gets back to the point I've made over and over again that he doesn't get his material. He has said over and over again that he based all of this shit on the Dark Knight Returns. Okay, fine. It's an older suit. It's an older Batman. He's having the physical problems. He's more pathological. And Alfred looked older than him, which was or younger than him, yeah. which was hilarious. Yeah. And by the way, talking about something that was actually good, Jeremy Irons was pretty good. Yeah, just Michael Caine is. Uh, you know, I just can't. I can't. I love Jeremy Irons, but he was. He's literally. He's wearing hipster tongue, hipster uh, glasses. Yeah, I, I like. I don't know. I like the role he played. But in The Dark Knight Returns, there are scenes where Batman destroys guns, where he calls them liars' weapons and cowards' weapons and tools of the enemy and says, we do not use these. Well, he did it in three uh, uh, Dark Knight movies. Okay, but those movies don't have anything to do with this version of Batman that uh, um, Zack Snyder has created. He is saying he really based this characterization off The Dark Knight Returns' Batman but he misses this key component of that Batman that even when he is old and knows he can't do what he used to do, he still won't use guns and he still won't kill. In I Dark don't know, Knight, man. I was cool with him killing people. He has to kill the Joker and he won't do it. The Joker has to snap his own neck yeah. because he realized Batman won't kill him. I, I understand these ideological complaints. I do. I completely get it. It's um, why Superman and Batman get along in the sure. in the comics. It's and, why and, they well, and they, can, they they conveyed that decently in the movie when there was actual dialogue, which was like, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't be fighting each other. We're kind of fighting for the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we both have a mom with the same name. Holding holding superheroes responsible for you know bad guys accidentally killing each other while being taken down. You know, I I I, I don't know where you want to separate. I don't think he was intentionally intentionally murdering anyone outside of that dream that he had, which I think was important that he had murderous dreams. I thought that was interesting. He blew up some guys in a car with the bat with the bat yeah. wings machine guns. He shot a guy with a flamethrower in the backpack and lit him on fire. Okay, but if but if the writing and filmmaking had been good, car. if the writing and filmmaking had been good, it, it, you know, if you had, who's your favorite director? Oof. Um, like like I can't like, like, that like, off no, the top just like an head. okay, who's like an epic director that you really like? Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's always easy to say what you don't like. It's hard to say what you do. I mean. <laughs> Who do I think are good directors? I, I think Ridley Scott is a good director. I right, think how about Steve- Paul Thomas Anderson? Okay. All right. Go. Let's take Paul Thomas Anderson. Now, he directed uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. And uh, There Will Be Blood, one of my favorite movies ever. Totally. So let's say P.T. Anderson in his prime gets uh, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis in his prime, like 33 years old, you know, 10, 20, year, 20 years ago, whatever, right. to play Superman. Uh-huh. And in P.T. Anderson's version of Superman, he kills people, but it's very rare, and the writing and acting are fucking amazing, and you love it, and you're watching it, and you're going, God damn it, I want Superman to kill people, but this was really, really good. Do you see what I'm saying? If, yeah. If the quality were better, we wouldn't have to like find even more stuff to pull apart about it. It's not that I disagree with you, but... Uh, I feel no. bad because your characters are being mauled on screen. And my yeah. characters are actually <laughs> being too. my characters have been good on screen. I love Iron Man, honestly. 
I, I, I wake up. There are some days I wake up and I'm like, wow, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Fucking I. Life is good, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, you had that for, like, seven years with Christian Bale, and I don't even know how you feel about those other two movies, so. I liked Batman Begins. I'm here, I, I'm here for you, man, is what, is what I'm saying. I'm I appreciate that. Yeah. I want to return, though, to your, uh, yes. your hypothesis, your, you know, your theoretical situation in which um, Snyder and Nolan team up to do Batman movies in the early in the mid two thousands. No, that wasn't my that wasn't my point. My point was that Nolan got to do it, and right. so well, if and so Snyder, Snyder couldn't do it even if he wanted to, which I've been trying to say a lot about him doing all these Batman movies or whatever. Uh, okay, that's an interesting point. I think if Snyder had gotten to make a bat, you know, Batman movies or whatever back in the day, we'd actually have more variation in DC Comics movies because he probably would have fucked them up because he's fucked up pretty much everything he's made uh, except Dawn of the Dead, which was like his first movie. Um, you know who could save Superman? I know. It's obvious. It's obvious. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon could save Superman. you got to give it a few years. Sure. But you let Joss I mean, Whedon relax, do these like Shakespearean films or whatever he's doing, do his thing, you know, be an advisor to Marvel, not have to direct. Be like, hey, man, we really need you. We need it to be help. funny but serious at the same time. Like, you're the guy. Or, you know who do a fine job? Go. Go. Brian Singer. Because he did that already. He did yeah. Superman Returns. And oh, that's fucking... Super... Superman Returns has flaws. But How it have I not like... seen that? That was Singer? That was Brian Singer. Oh, and I remember that because that idiot. came out right around the time X-Men 3 came out, which he didn't do. Mm. And it's like, oh, so this is what he did. Oh, it's it... not great, but it feels we very much that like movie. that's Superman. Like that is a fair representation of who Superman is. It's got Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, who is way better. Uh, than Jesse Eisenberg and Brandon Ruth, he's just doing an impression to some extent of Christopher Reeve. Which I'm fine with, yeah. Yeah, he's great at it. Yeah, why not? And, and if you haven't seen that, watch that and watch Kate Bosworth. Do you as well. do you think that the person who replaces Hugh Jackman as Wolverine won't try and channel some Hugh Jackman? No, of course they're going to channel some Hugh Jackman. They should. That's why I'm cool with him taking from the. I remember we talked about this. I was like, yeah, def, like do the impression. Why not? Well, I think what we've seen here is there are two ways to handle a role that other Cavill people... Cavill is just boring. I'm so bored of Cavill after two movies. Yeah. It's not his fault. It's really not. But I just... It's just not... He's just not Hugh Jackman or Robert Downey Jr. He's just not doing it for me. Or, I mean... Or Brandon Ruth or Christopher Reeve or or uh, Tom Welling on Smallville. He's Dude, just, fucking... He's not anything. Cyclops and... in the first two X-Men movie had more emotional beats. <laughs> I'm serious. You know I love him. I always forget his name. What's his name? Uh, James Marsden. James Marsden. James Marsden had more interesting parts of, in those movies in terms of actual emotion because of Gene. You know? I mean, it's ridiculous. And speaking of Brian Singer. Well, here's the thing. What we're saying is, oh, yeah, we want the best from Marvel Studios in the X-Men universe, basically. Right? I mean, those I are like the two guys that created those, those things. Well, um, I think what we have are... Speaking of which, side note, quick side note, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has actually gotten respectably good. I have to say, and I was not a fan the first couple of years. Uh, it's okay. It, 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 it go it goes up and down. It, it totally goes up and down, but there's at least enough like g- good actors on the show now that yeah. it's, it's compelling. But um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, oh, I watched the first Flash. By the way, I fucking loved it. I only watched the first one. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. I yeah. that that I did not find it like overly 
comic book year or whatever you said. I thought it was. It's totally gonna fun. trust me. It gets there. Um, but if you haven't read the comics, you won't recognize everything anyway. Oh, that so. was the most disappointing uh, reveal, by the way. It was Flash. What do you mean the most disappointing? Uh, sorry, in Batman v Superman when we saw the oh. files. Yeah, the, the I was files, like, who is this kid? And the, just like the static on the screen, like what? Right. So you've now seen Grant Gustin as Barry Allen. Yes. I mean, obviously, we haven't heard or seen the Flash do anything other than if you didn't know in that weird dream sequence, that's the Flash that comes back in time or whatever to warn Batman. Um, that crazy weird dream. That's oh, this the Flash. is what I wanted to ask you about. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to. So what you. you were saying about what does the next guy do at, as Wolverine if there is one? There's two ways you can treat a role that somebody's already played. You can do an homage or or incorporate aspects of that character, or you can reject everything and come up with your entirely no. own take. And what I think we've seen in superheroes is incorporating the old things always works better. There is twitches oh. of Patrick Stewart in James McAvoy's. Uh, yeah, big Charles time. Xavier. Big Not time. everything. He's his own dude. No, he's but dude. there's definitely hints to that older uh, yeah. Xavier in there. Fastbender, Fastbender too, yeah, very much. You know, there are a lot of hints to how Brandon Ruth took on Superman based on what Christopher Reeve did. Yep. On the other hand, you have this movie rejecting everything about and Man of Steel rejecting everything about Superman, pretty much leading up to it. And Batman rejecting most of what we have about Batman's previous representations. There's still a lot of Nolan stuff in there, but it's still pretty different. And what do we get? We get two assholes that could kill each other and you wouldn't care. Yeah. But, I mean, you've got Christopher Reeve. Right. And you've got Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, there's more levels below that, like Iron Man and Christian Bale, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you know, people have played the role multiple times, but like spanning multiple generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was what was it between Superman one and Superman four? Fuck, I wish I had this. Superman four was in eighty seven. So yep. when was the Superman one? Like the early seventies. Seventy eight. Superman two was nineteen eighty. Oh. Those two were produced by Richard Donner. Oh, okay. They uh, did the Rocky model every three years. Yeah. Yeah, and then they did Superman three in eighty three and eighty yeah. and four in eighty seven. Oh, speaking of which. Can we play a very quick round of um, which sh- shitty super uh, superhero movies better? Sure. We don't. We're not going through the whole thing. I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna get it started. Okay. We'll sprinkle it in. Okay. So, at 170 million dollars uh, domestic uh, right now, BVS is 33 of all time. It's obviously gonna climb a lot from there, but as of now, it's 33rd of all time. So these all made less money. Okay. Okay. Um, Punisher Warzone. I never saw. <laughs> I've actually either. heard if you like Punisher, it's really actually pretty true to the Punisher comics. Yeah, I I just liked the guns when I was uh, I was younger. I'm sad to say. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The movie. <laughs> yeah. The movie is way better. The movie is it's not anything like what the show would go on to be, slang. but it's at least funny. I, I like Sarah Michelle Gellar, but yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's not her. Not okay, all right. Um, the Crow 2, City of Angels. Oh, I've never seen the second Crow. Yeah, the first Crow is actually one of my okay, favorites. Okay, I'm going to start reading ones that I've seen. Did you see Electra? Okay. I didn't see Electra. Nope, because okay. Daredevil scared me okay, off here, this is Okay, this is actually an interesting one. And uh, this <laughs> is a resounding uh, in my head which answer this is. 
Okay. At number 79 of superhero movies in terms of money, Kick-Ass 2. I liked Kick-Ass 2 more than I liked BVS. Definitely. At least it was colorful. Yeah, it was colorful. It was, it was funny at times. It wasn't as good as the first, but it was, you know, again, if, you, if I don't walk out of the movie with this gut-wrenching feeling of dread, it's better than yeah. BVS. All right, here we go. Judge Dredd. Oh, with Sylvester Stallone? Mm-hmm. Judge June thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. Judge Dredd. Oh def- yeah, definitely Dredd over BBS. Yeah. yeah. And I heard the new Dread movie is actually like okay. Okay, this one you'll have to answer. All right. Blade Trinity. Ooh. Ugh. They are both so bad. Um. I w- BBS is probably better than Blade Trinity. Um, I, I couldn't exactly. The other tell Blade you movies, why. though, would you say are, are higher? Blade than... One is way better than BVS. Yeah. Blade Two, I didn't like, but most people think is pretty good. Yeah, it's probably also better than Batman vs Superman. Um, Blade Three doesn't make any sense, but yeah. neither does Batman v Superman. Right. Um, how about uh, Superman Three was good, right? No, it no. was terrible. Okay. I've never seen it, but it's, it's oh, okay. Superman 4 killed the franchise. Okay. Superman 3 was really dumb. It was on this list. It didn't work. Yeah. Okay. Sadly, the Hellboy movies are well below, but they are way better. Oh, both of them. And I didn't even like Hellboy 2 a, a lot. Oh, I, I loved... Are you kidding me with Jeffrey Tambor? Hellboy 2 was delicious. I loved it. I think it's probably a good movie that just didn't <sighs> grab me. Uh, it's way better than Batman vs. Superman. No question asked about that. Dude, that's that. worth a rewatch. It's got some Deadpool uh, fourth wall stuff going on mm-hmm. in there. Um, all right. 56. 1991. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Oh, well, Go Ninja, this, go Ninja, go, yeah, go Ninja, go Ninja, go Ninja. Yeah, this is hard for me to think critically about because I saw it when I was the exact age it was marketed to. Yep. Um, but I would... I would certainly say I enjoyed that movie a hell of a lot more Way than I more. enjoyed BBS. If, if you told me right now, I, I got a VHS machine with me with a VHS <laughs> copy of the movie, or I will treat you to an IMAX 3D version, I'd be like, where would I plug in the VHS? Right. Or is, or is it the, uh, not in an HDMI port? <laughs> okay. All right. Here, here comes some d- tough ones. You ready for this? The Green Hornet. <laughs> It's I Seth Rogen. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad, but <laughs> I'd much rather watch it's it. It's not yeah. up its own ass. Like yeah. this movie takes. When we talked about what I loved about Deadpool, I talked about how it pokes holes in a genre that's too full of hot air. Sure, this movie is so full of its own bullshit. Yeah, uh, and the Green Hornet is not. No. And I also have to like anything that has Christoph Waltz in it because he is one of my favorite actors. That's how I feel about Seth Rogen. <laughs> right. Uh, so I would probably take the Green Hornet over Batman v Superman. All right. I got some more tough ones. You ready? Yeah, I'm loving Here this. Here we action. go. Fun. 2003. Okay. The man we now know as Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck, played Daredevil. Daredevil. I, you know what? I am actually going to go with Daredevil, and only because it did produce a marriage out of it that unfortunately did dissolve, I guess. Uh, but Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner did fall in love and get married because of making that movie together. <laughs> so it's the anti-Geely? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, so now he. Yes, he I got Geely on the Bizzlecast. Only took 44 episodes, <laughs> but I finally got it. 
Sorry, that dude. might be you might be the first podcast ever to mention that movie. I think a lot of people forgot that movie existed. I think Ben Affleck. Oh no, it's an easy joke for for entertainment podcasters. Okay, um, so I'm actually going to take Daredevil over it, and I actually like the way that they they CGI his vision. I actually think that's a cool effect. I like when the rain falls on Jennifer Garner and he's able to see her. I, I actually thought that was a neat moment. Most of it's bullshit, but it also has Michael Clark Duncan who. You know, it's hard to go wrong with him. Okay. Well, we're almost at, you know, the X-Men movies and and Cap 1 and so forth. So I I won't go through all these. But how about either of the two Hulk solo movies, (laughs) neither of which played by Mark Ruffalo? I would probably take Batman v Superman over Hulk, the one with Eric Bana, but not... The Ang Lee one, yeah. Yeah, but not Incredible Hulk, the one that's in the universe that has uh, uh, Norton in it. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, maybe it was just that at least the, one of them's in the MCU. I like Norton as an actor a lot more than I like Eric Bana. Um, and that Ang Lee over-stylized stuff really bombed, in my, in my opinion. It didn't work for me at all. Yep. So I'm trying to uh, just really quick, and then we'll jump back. Um, I don't think there's any other than Hancock. <laughs> I can't find any superhero movies above this that I think we would place below it. But there wasn't <laughs> a lot that we would take over. I think the, the takeaway here is just that you know, there's no color, there's no humor, there's no dimensionality, there's no fun, there's no fun, there's no texture, there's no su- there's no nothing, nothing. I I, I I tell my dad movies like this. I call them Macbeth movies. Mm-hmm. Sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing anybody says means anything in this film. No. I mean, no, and that, Batman that literally, Batman. Batman literally says, "I'm going to kill Superman." Right. You're just like, really? That that's how this goes down. I mean, the the opening monologue to this movie sets the tone for how crappy it's going to be. Where he's talking about diamond absolutes. And then the last lines, which I can't believe Zack Snyder thought were deep, are things that fall are fallen. Really? That's the best fucking line you can come up with to Wait, start. Was that, your... was that Lex? No, that's what Ben Affleck says in the voiceover, like that opens Batman v Superman. You know, back in the day, there were things above diamond absolutes. And things that fall are fallen. They fall. said that was the last line. No, that's the first line. That's the first line. Oh, first, first line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the last line? Just... I, I believe it's Lex going ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I, I, I think Lex should have gotten off from this scot-free. That would have been way more interesting for me. I mean, that he would have been a little scared that you know his plan didn't work, but to just get arrested and thrown in jail, given how powerful and brilliant he's supposed to be, like made zero sense. Especially because... Um, when Superman usually confronts Lex for the first time in the comics, it is always, one, Superman never actually arrests him, and two, the scene is usually played out in a way that suggests that Lex is Superman's at least intellectual equal, that these guys are going to be adversaries, but this isn't going to be one guy is infinitely better than the other guy. Yeah, there's no, you know? there's no personality. There was no, per- yeah, it, there was no personalness to it, if that makes sense. Right. Like, you know, it was completely impersonal. Um, um, that's what I think. I think, honest, honestly, Jesse Eisenberg's character was written in less than a dimension. I think there was about like three quarters of one dimension there. 
and right. he and he got it like a little over two at times. That's why I give him credit. You know, he took took absolute shite and and tried to make it Shakespearean in his own way, even though it was absolute shite. I can't believe he agreed to it. Was his agent just make him do it? You know, his record is so pristine up to this point. Well, I mean, American Ultra was pretty dumb, but I, I, I don't no know why he took this that. role. I, I maybe he wanted to try for it and didn't think he'd get it. Um, no, I, I do not think that's the case. I don't know either. I mean, I, I've read that they wanted him specifically. To make my point, though, on the shelves right now, there is a comic series called Superman American Alien. It's written by Max Landis, who did the movie Chronicle, that most people think was pretty good. It has Michael B. Jordan oh, in yeah. it. It's a superhero movie, but it's not, it's made up superheroes. It's sort of. Uh, it's stripped down. It's got a kind of shaky cam, uh, like Blair Witch style of shooting that actually works. It's a pretty good movie as I understand it. Um, and he's writing this comic that's basically like seven issues. Each one is looking at Superman at a different moment in his life. The first one is this really cute one about being like a 10 year old discovering he can fly. The latest one, he's just moved to Metropolis he has to fight a monster called the Parasite. He beats him, discovers Lex created the Parasite, goes to confront him. And Lex just stares him down, you know, because Superman is trying to arrest him. And he says, you're not a cop. You're nothing. What, who the hell are you? You're just an idiot who thinks flying through a guy's window and accusing him is going to make change. I have built you up in my mind as this godlike being. And I learned from this encounter that you're just a moron. And then Superman is cowed, and he actually kind of slinks away from the broken window. Mm. Um, that's a way better, more interesting confrontation than the one that happens in this movie. Mm. Um, if I have to make a comparison to Dark Knight, mm-hmm. um, so Dark Knight Rises, right? they decided they wanted their Lex Luthor to be like Bane. I think it would have been way more interesting for them to play it like Miranda Tate. Marianne Cotard. Mm-hmm. The bad guy you don't really see until the end. Now, because he's Lex Luthor, you'd be on guard for it. But in terms of how you write it, have, have a front man, right? Right. He's his own front man. No rich guy acts like that. Not even crazy ones. He still could have gotten the front row seat during the final battle if he wanted to. Have other people. You know, not just assassins. Like, have people misdirecting maybe he's not so bad maybe he's not in control of the situation that whole kind of thing you know what i mean um that was ridiculous they wanted him to play again uh, you know a heath ledger level role in a movie in a script that had no place for it that and no wasn't written it. well enough to capture it I, I mean he's not particularly scary he doesn't even really come off as crazy most of the time he just comes off as inconsistent and annoying um, and hyperactive. Yeah, I, I don't personally get the annoying thing, but I can totally see it based on how he talks and the nasaliness of his voice and so forth. I, 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 I get that. Um, I agree with you. I, I, I agree that that's what happened. Actually, honestly, the, it, uh, this is... It, have you ever found the movie more worthy of the phrase damning with faint praise? <laughs> like, I feel like that, that saying was, was created for this film. But... Um, <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg's worst lines were the ones we saw in the trailers, I think. Oh yeah. That's which was which was nice. Which was nice, you know, cuz you're like, "Oh, okay. I thought this was going to be as bad or worse, but just ignore those lines." Like the rest of them are also pretty bad though, except for the library endowment speech where he kind of falls victim to his own that weirdness. Great. That's they should they should have run with that. This is here's the thing. 
and this is the difference between Zach Whedon. Oh, Zach Whedon. This is the difference between Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. There's Isn't a, Joss's brother named Zach? No, Jed. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah, Jed. He, he's the guy that runs Shield. Um, well, <laughs> it runs the show. Uh, the difference is not filmmaking style or technical skill or writing skill or people skills, all of which Joss is far superior at. But Joss listens to his actors. He listens to them. And if you ever hear any interviews with people from Firefly and Serenity or the Avengers movies or anything he's ever done, he's a very actor-centric director. He's extremely sensitive to their needs. And maybe, you know, we say, oh, these poor actors, you know, everyone's always catering to their every need, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I want that to be the case. <laughs> I want my actors to be happy in their movies because if they're happy, then I'm happy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? So we, I, they need to be happy. Zack Snyder seems to be able to make them temporarily happy even while destroying their careers at the same time. <laughs> and, and while Amy Adams is immune to it, you know, and while guys like Fishburne and, and Harry Lennox, you know, they're who they are, it doesn't matter about movies like this. Cavill's career is getting trampled underfoot. And he's going to get blamed for this, man. I'm telling you. that That's going to be the first backlash is that this is all Cavill's fault. Um, by the uninitiated. I, I hope I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But outside of Zack Snyder, finger pointing is going to start a cavil saying he ruined the movie. The same way, you know, Natalie Portman ruined the prequels or whatever. Now, it's different because Natalie Portman was like a kid when she was in the prequels. Right. But I, I've that, never that always that kills me. blame Natalie Portman for the, the prequels. Oh, Star Wars, that's always blame her for it. Really? Um, oh, yeah. 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 I. I wonder if that's just latent sexism yeah, or oh, it's, like that. It's not even latent. It's blatant. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it was George Lucas 1, Hayden Christensen 2, and then after that, I don't know. Uh, just FYI, Zach Whedon is Joss Whedon's other brother. He worked on really? Hall Catch Fire. He worked on uh, oh. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. I guess I was throwing a... I was, uh, I was thrown off because of Zach Penn as well. Two, those two have been connected before. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know if Snyder is like a you know an actor's director or He's a clearly sense. not. No, I mean he he doesn't seem to know how to get good. Uh, Name one actor whose bonuses. career he made. One. Name one. One actor. Gerard Butler has actually because Gerard of Butler. Him, please, please. He's gotten in. He's in Gods of, of Egypt. Give me a break. He's in Gods of Egypt. He's in Olympus Has Fallen. He has gotten steady work That's and pathetic. a lot since 300. And I think so a lot of people looked at 300 as a turning point in his particular career. Joss Whedon, in one of his shows on television, made two huge actors, at least. I'm not saying this is better. You asked me to name no, one. No, I'm just saying I don't think you call him an actor's director. If he's and, not, uh, yeah. Cersei Lannister, whatever her name is. Yeah, she Lena Headey. She's fucking talented. She's going to be fine either way. She that got her that might of, be true. Speaking of which, I'm, I'm going to keep bugging you till you watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles, because that shit is the bomb. I'll, I'll send you the Blu-rays if you promise to mail them back. I'll pay for both ways. Will you promise to mail them back? Yes. Okay. I'm going to send you them. She's fucking amazing. Sarah Connor <laughs> and, and Thomas Decker, as I mentioned, is great. Which brings me to the next and maybe final segment. Unless you have anything else to say from the previous segment? 
Uh, no, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to yes. mention the wager we waged, just which has nothing to do oh, with Batman yes. v Superman, but I really liked it and I want yes. to share it because I think people should do more things like this. Please. So uh, Jesse and I have debated a fair amount who we think is going to be the end up leading the Defenders, the <sighs> superhero team that Netflix is doing a much better job of slowly, organically <laughs> building uh, than uh, DC has done with its totally botched attempt to create a Justice League. He is of the opinion, Jesse is, that Jessica Jones will wind up being the leader of the team. JJ? I am leaning more towards Daredevil or Iron Fist. No, you can't take two. You can't take two. You got to take one. I haven't picked one of them, but it's one of those two. And the deal is... Listen, I'll give you you Daredevil and we'll just make Iron Fist. uh, uh, We don't know enough about Iron Fist at this point. Okay, fine. So we can revisit it. But for now, you take Daredevil, I'll take JJ. We know it's not going to be Luke Cage. Fair enough. So the deal is, if Jesse is right, I buy Jesse a DC Comics graphic novel of my choosing uh, that I think is particularly strong, and I mail it to him. If I'm right and Daredevil turns out to be the leader of the Defenders, he buys me a Marvel graphic novel that he thinks is particularly good and mails it to I'm me. I'm just going to make you read Wolverine, man. That's it. I'm just going to send well, you straight Wolverine. Well, I've read Wolverine, <laughs> so... Or Gambit. I'm going to send you Gambit from the early 90s. I'm probably going to send you either Watchmen or the first Sandman graphic Oh, well, then you're doing me a favor. This is, yeah, uh, now I want to lose this bet. Yeah. yeah, really. I want to lose the bet. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, uh, you have any would-you-rathers? Um, oh, I, I, I've, I have a good would-you-rather. You ready? Would you rather watch Batman v Superman two more times or man of steel three more times man of steel three more times <laughs> the character assassination in superman has already happened it can't assassinate the character further for me i was trying to figure out which numbers to put in there i, I think it's actually probably about even because i feel like uh man of steel is about an hour 45 so that's a total of about oh no, no 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 it's well it's well over two hours okay so yeah, then you're probably looking at, at about a six hour commitment Versus a five-hour commitment of Batman v Superman, but those will be horrible five hours. Those will be like... I just think there's some iconic images in Man of Steel. I don't think there's anything iconic in Batman v Superman. I don't think there's anything that, interesting man, in Batman v Superman. That, I, man that, that's, that's, not even, that's not even a tough one for me. I, I take three Man of Steels over two Batman v Supermans easily. <laughs> easily. Just for some of those cool fighting stuff that we talked about, if nothing else. And the Krypton stuff, you know. I like the Krypton stuff. And I like the scene where he escapes from the Krypton ship with Jor-El hologram. Yeah, you know, I, I was listening to the commentary. I love, by the way, you got very angry at how Fiora was treating Lois Lane on the spaceship. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, she's cooperated. There's no need to throw her into a bulkhead for no reason. It's just being mean. I, speaking of yes. people who were in uh, Man of Steel and then died, yeah. So Kevin Costner shows up oh, in a dream for ten seconds. Oh god! I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. This was so horrible too. I I, I want you to jump back in, but. I had read enough reviews to know that the flashbacks or slash dreams were a problem in this movie. Mm-hmm. And so every time these weird scenes would be happening, my dad would be sitting there experiencing it, being like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And I have to lean over and be like, I'm sorry, dad, this is just a dream. So ignore right. it. <laughs> but this, doesn't even, this is another one of these things. I One, I had trouble understanding everything uh, Kevin Costner was saying because this movie is badly edited it's bad it's sound editing is bad and he's hard to understand so that's problem one 
What I did understand, I couldn't figure out the point of that conversation. In Smallville, uh, never John never Sh- adds up with Kevin Costner, does it? Never does. No. I mean, in Smallville, John Schneider, who plays Jonathan Kent, does die at one point, and later in the show, Clark does start to sort of see a ghost uh, or or imagine what his dad would tell him if he was still alive. But all of those conversations have a clear point that Superman learns from. I really have no idea what that dialogue with Kevin Costner was supposed to convey. I, Honestly, I have... I'm not sure what any dialogue that Kevin Costner has ever done is meant to convey. <laughs> um, other than in Field of Dreams, and the only reason Field of Dreams gets me is the father-son stuff at the end, because it's very literal. Right. Otherwise, I think he's enunciating the wrong words. He's, I mean, he's just not a good actor, I don't think, personally. I you know, going going so. from Russell Crowe to him in the first movie was a big shot in the balls. To maybe that's why Clark Kent's so angry. He's like, "God damn it, Russell Crowe was my dad, and now fucking Kevin Costner is my dad." You would have gotten it from Russell Crowe. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But here's what I almost would have preferred. So there are a couple of scenes in this movie that are really weird and out there. The library speech is an example. Whoa, ins- whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not go overboard with the praise, man. Come on. You need to dial it back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that scene was crazy. Or, or or there was like this this hint, this overtone of craziness, like the world was going crazy and he was getting infected by it. It was, it was just crazy. Everything was crazy. It's fucking crazy. Sure. <laughs> the scene with the pair, the, the weird winged monsters that show up in the dream sequence Batman has, those are called parademons. They're the minions of Darkseid. Oh. I want to start calling them parademons because I, I, that's what they are. Yeah. That scene is weird and crazy, and then it ends with the Flash, even though you don't know it's the Flash, but it's the Flash screaming at Batman incoherently about something involving Lois Lane. Wait, and something. the movie? Yeah. The Flash was screaming in the dream? Remember when he like Fuck. wakes up and this dude shows up out of a portal? And no, like, I don't remember any of this. This sounds like a bad acid trip. Not that I've had one. This was like one of the loudest moments in the movie. I'm surprised. Like maybe my, my whole that. head was hurting, and I like loud movie theaters. But <laughs> my head was hurting during this. Right, I remember so the dark side dream generally, which again okay. works better with Wonder Woman than anyone else. Go ahead. Yeah. Right, and it also that scene is also recalling a video game. So when he. It suggested punches Batman through the chest and kills him because he took, quote-unquote, her away from him. In Injustice, which is this video game and an alternate reality comic being published, the Joker tricks Superman into killing Lois Lane. He goes crazy. He punches Joker's chest out and kills him and then basically takes over the world. So that scene is kind of recalling Darkseid and the Injustice video game, whatever. When it ends... Bruce Wayne wakes up and then all of a sudden this face pops out of a portal and there's all this lightning and he's screaming, Bruce, you have to save Lois and find us. You got to bring us together. And there's something with a stone. It's an insane moment, but that's the last insane moment in the movie. If the movie was all weird, crazy shit that you don't understand what's going on because it's intentionally, you're not supposed to understand what's going on. I maybe have been down for it because it at least would have been one tone. It would have been like one movie all the way through, and it would have been coherent in its how incoherent it was. Dude, the the trailer before the previews and the ads section for right. the new Uncharted video game on the PlayStation Four 
right? looked way cooler than anything in the movie. I mean, yeah. Uncharted is such a brilliantly designed video game. And I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, I was like, the writing for this video game is like better than 90% of the action movies out there. Like, this is a really, really, really well done game. I was trying to explain it to him. He was like, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm watching the movie. I was like, man, I wasn't kidding myself. <laughs> like, I'd much rather be playing Uncharted right now, you know? Like, jumping from cliff to cliff, but getting witty dialogue and good character yeah. interaction. I mean, that's the thing. He should have just gone super video gamey, but made it look cool. That's what I'm always saying. I don't care if it looks video gamey. If it's well designed, it's like the Matrix stuff, like in those sequels. I like it. If it's well designed, it's well executed. At least I enjoy watching it. There were, you, you, I mean, honestly, it was like watching a movie with blinders on. It was so dark the entire time. Was that. Were they so over budget that they just needed to cover up the CGI even more than usual? I can't figure out another reason. Because in 2013, it looked better, honestly, than other movies in 2013. Um, well, at least they fought in the daytime. So you could at least see everything that was happening. I mean, the final fight with Doomsday is hor- It's one of the worst action fight sequences I've seen in a better part of a decade. Maybe 20 years, honestly. I mean... It is unintelligible. It's impossible to understand what you're seeing. There's no explanation of why it works. It's a shitty villain to introduce if you want the Trinity to come together because Batman doesn't do a thing in that fight. It is just Superman. I can't stop thinking about the cave troll. I'm trying to picture it in my head. I'm just seeing the cave troll in my head. I just. Yeah, the. I thought that when it died. I mean, I mean, even the hobbits are like stabbing him in the head. You know, it's great. Yeah. Oh man, for the days of Lord of the Rings, man. People made good movies. I mean, oh, God. I also I don't want to nitpick, but all right. So this scout. <laughs> what the hell do you think the Bizzle cast is? Come on. Okay, then I do want to nitpick. Yeah, come on. This is one of these like logical comic book brain things. Okay, so well, he uh, takes... let me just interrupt you before you start. A okay. logical nitpick I will always place much higher than like a stupid nitpick. So you should right. always feel free, not just you, Bizzlecast listeners and people contributing, if you have a logical nitpick to anything, please, go ahead. All right, so this is in the same vein as when I did the Man of Steel commentary with you, I asked, why do these machines that are used to terraform uninhabited worlds have these massive thrashing arm defense systems? Okay, so he makes Doomsday in a Kryptonian scout ship using a process that's been deemed banished or forbidden by the council. For I'm so like, glad you brought this up. I did not understand what the hell happened in there with his arm and his blood and everything. Right. For millennia. If your ships, if your council has deemed for millennia that you can't create this creature, why the hell would you make your scout ship capable of creating this creature? Why not just not put that technology in your ship? Um, no, but that scene where he takes Zod and he uses his own blood. Oh, to- by the way, by the way, I, 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 this, this is a true story. I turned to my dad when Zod's there acting dead in the water. I turned to my dad, who had just seen Man of Steel for the first time. I said, Dad, that's the best acting you'll ever see of Michael Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I could help myself. I might have added in a Superman movie, but, you know. <laughs> I mean... You're not wrong. You're it was not... it was excellent fake being dead. I mean, that yeah. is takes some real skill right there. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, he's already only making one face ever at like every other Kryptonian. At least now there's a logical reason because he's dead. It can't. Um, oh my. I don't know. I The odd thing is I don't actually think 
the face that he died having is the same as that one. So that would suggest somebody had to reset his face at, before rigor mortis set in. But he's Kryptonian, so shouldn't they be unable to do anyway? That's more thought than they put into this fucking movie. Well, I guess that's what that's what the kind of one of the messages here, right? Is like it's always better to be Icarus. Always better to fly too close to the sun and get burned as an artist in terms of Man of Steel being, I guess, his best movie, right? I mean, what? I mean, I haven't seen Who's that. Shannon Snyder. No, Snyder's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Snyder. Snyder. Sorry, I'm talking about Snyder. I, I, I'm saying like, what were they even aiming for? Man of Steel. They aimed for a bunch of stuff. Some they got, most they didn't. But at least they're aiming. I don't even know what they were aiming for. I, like, you can't. Even, it's like shooting a bow. You don't even see the target. You know, like what are you shooting at? Or it, it's like. Setting up a target way in advance and then giving a guy a bunch of bows and a bunch of arrows and then just like asking him to throw them in that direction and hope he gets something. Yeah, seriously. I mean, the way Marvel built its universe is they set out with a goal to make a bunch of good movies and most of them are, you know, Incredible Hulk is not great. Iron Man 2 is not great, but it's still better than this. Um, Thor 1, which you loved, which I didn't, but it's still better than this you know, make good to great movies. And then when you've made enough of those, you will naturally be able to make a team up film. Yeah. Netflix, they're doing the same thing. Make a bunch of, they've only had two so far, but daredevil season one, which I know you didn't like, but I really did. And I think it's, objectively a well-done season of television i just don't just, love the i just don't love the cast and the vibe there's nothing i hate i, I just don't i just didn't identify with all it right much. i got a would you rather for you sure. would you rather watch daredevil season one two times or would you rather sit through this batman v superman again definitely daredevil twice okay um definitely so there's nothing know, there was nothing offensive or distasteful to me and the daredevil it just wasn't it was just a little too much uh you know um like kind of uh eerie music and mustache twirling and so forth uh, you know. okay. fair enough i mean at least there you have people expressing emotional range you know um yeah i mean Char- charlie cox by himself does more than anybody in this movie I mean. and vincent d'onofrio and, oh, and the kingpin right. is basically fat lex luther yeah. um without the technology but he's the same exact the role he plays in Marvel Comics is almost identical to what Lex Luthor does, um, except maybe he has even less overtones of being a legitimate businessman. Um, well, I think it's safe to say that Zack Snyder movies with Ayelitzer are better than Zack Snyder movies without Ayelitzer. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one versus all the others, so... Um, Superman, comic book movies, yeah. Well, right. I guess they're all comic book movies, yeah. You know, so what you had here was smush everything together and hope that a Justice League movie, I guess, spilled out of the the slurry, the the mix. You know, Marvel TV movies and uh, comics. I'm sorry, movies and Netflix shows. They slowly focused on building each product individually, and then when they put them all together, it was a natural coming together. Right. You're watching the DC TV shows right now. Arrow and The Flash are going to slowly introduce all the characters that are going to be in their team-up show, Legends of Tomorrow. And it it's it's not great. It's very uneven. But it's a hell of a lot better than Batman v Superman. 
And with the exception yeah, but you of you get Hawk, the right ingredients, you can make it work eventually if you got the right okay. writers, right? Okay. I mean, but yeah. the cast in this movie is strong enough that it should have worked, or it certainly had the potential to work. Yeah, but this is the difference between being a star and being a celebrity, which I teased in our Man of Steel commentary, never really got to, which is that if you're just in a movie because you're famous and they want famous people, you're a celebrity. If you're in a movie and you own a role and make the movie much better, then you're a star. And right. these movies have a lot of celebrities, but not a lot of stars. And they it's not do. the celebrity's fault, you know? It's the writers and the directors and the producers' fault. And that, that's the problem. Who's, the, who's behind this? Who is that D, who's Kevin Feige, Kathleen Kennedy, Simon Kimberg? Who's that executive producer at DC? I don't even know. Who is it? I, I, I'm not entirely sure yeah. either. You need but that person. What you were saying, with the exception of Cavill, who's really you know, untested outside of this. I just feel Every other actor him. in this movie has proven that they can embody a role. Ben Affleck is a good actor. I, you know, Russell Crowe is a good actor. Kevin Costner, I, I mean, I think he's a better actor than people give him credit for sometimes. Amy Adams is a good actor. Lawrence Fishburne is a good actor. All of these people... Lawrence Fishburne's a great actor. In fact, the only yeah, time I smiled during actor. the whole movie was him busting Lois's balls early on. I thought it was great. His little Diane one-liners. Diane Lane is great. Diane I Lane mean, is great. My dad was loving Diane Lane. Oh, my God. Yeah. All of these people, there should have been enough talent here to put together to make to give them actual roles and let them act and embody them. That's writing. That's writing. Yeah. I mean, in, in, but writing here's the thing. Not all... Writing situations are created equal. Because I would argue that Interstellar, for me, although I don't love it, although I do like it a lot, more on, on repeat viewings, did not love it at first, but also by the Nolan bros and directed by Christopher, <laughs> was overperformed dramatically based on its writing. Like the writing for Interstellar was subpar. But when you have Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey acting the shit out of their roles, where they're literally looking at a computer screen in a video and reacting to not watching anything and crying and laughing. and do, I mean, if you just have amazing roles like that, it can overcome. But you need to have serious screen time. That only works when you have a couple lead characters. Now you get a movie like The Martian, where you got the writing and the brilliant actors. Can I say, I think The Martian's the most rewatchable movie of last year, easily. I, I don't I even know what's close. I theaters and I'd watch it again. I, you didn't like Mad Max. In fact, you despised it. Uh, we're going to get back tell. to Mad Max. We're going to get back to Mad Max. But, I've watched it three times, and I've watched it once on HBO uh, while I was running. We don't. I don't want to talk about. No, it. No, I want. I want to. I want to. It, it, this is this is a sort of uh, front door way of introducing it. But I was wanted to talk about movies that um, also were considered to have sucked, but were better than this, in our opinion, like significantly better, or movies that just didn't do well at the box office, and. You know, but but either became cult movies or just cult movies to us. The one I have, almost no one has, so I think I can claim it mostly for myself. But I was going to put Mad Max in this category, even though I did very well at the box office and got incredible reviews nominated for an Academy Award. I honestly, I thought during this movie, Batman v Superman, I was like, would I rather be watching Mad Max right now? And the answer was an obvious yes. And, and I really, I really dislike Mad Max and find it just distasteful in just a boring long chase scene. You know, like where's the drama that's not action based in that movie? I really don't like Charlize Theron. 
I love Tom Hardy. He doesn't say anything, as you've pointed out in the past. And Theron is just not a good actor. Nick Holt was the best part of that movie, as far as I can tell, from an acting standpoint. Nick Holt and the Virgins or whatever, sitting in the backseat of the truck... Right. Uh, but at least it was different, and at least it was in daylight, and at least it was colorful, and the music was awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, it was not even a question for me. And I know this seems obvious to everyone else out there because every one of my friends who I respect and love love Mad Max. I'm the only one. I can't find anyone else, man. Honestly, I'm the only one. So I'm just not fighting it anymore. But much, much, much rather watch Mad Max. And if you listen to the Bizzlecast, you know what that means because I'm constantly ripping it. All right. Yeah, really. I mean, the the reactions I've seen from you regarding that particular movie, uh, the way what I saw some of your postings as it was winning Oscars. If you would rather watch that than BVS, that really suggests how much you hated it. I looked up, by the way. Well, I didn't like Gravity either. Gravity won Best Picture. I didn't like Gravity, but I'd sure. rather watch Gravity than Batman v Superman. I would, I would too, because at least there's one act, there's two actors there's two. in that whole movie, yeah. and they do a good job. Do, I mean, George good. Clooney is fun. Wait, this, this, this is my does. Sandra Bullock impression. You ready from Gravity? <sighs> <sighs> That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I, le- I at least rooted for her to live, which is more than I could say about anybody in this damn movie. Uh, to answer your question about who might be the person in charge of all of this crap, yeah. I think it's a guy named Greg Silverman, who uh, is president of creative development and worldwide production at Warner Brothers. Um, he, interestingly enough, has uh, had that... Jews, good business people, not always great creative people. Sorry. I'm- sorry, sorry, people. Put your hands over your ears. I'm Jewish. It was in the entertainment business. Go ahead used to make good movies i mean uh based on <laughs> steven spielberg still makes pretty good ones no 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 they can be great directors and producers but in terms of the organizing creative talent doesn't seem to be i don't know stan lee did a pretty good job with marvel Not even um, eh. oh stan lee with marvel yeah yeah i think i think he did okay yeah go ahead um, I, I there's mean, one picture i'm looking at an article on on variety.com he looks like a, a, a jackass interestingly enough though <laughs> let me throw some other movies that he has spearheaded yes go he's taken over uh you can tell me if you've seen them or not but i think you'll get a sense of of the problems jupiter ascending i i won i wanted to see because it was sci-fi with eddie redmayne honestly I, I i tried so hard to put myself in my car to go see that movie even though i knew it was terrible <laughs> Because I've, I've, I'm so gay for Eddie Redmayne, and any, anything he does, he's like my top of my top three man crushes is Eddie Redmayne. It is a sci-fi movie, and not only him, it was the uh, fucking uh, Wachowskis. What? It was the Wachowskis. Yeah, was it like Mila Kunis though? Yeah. Who I'm in fucking love with. She's like my celebrity crush. So I, I had my two celebrity crushes in one movie, and I still didn't go. Sorry, that's my story. So there was that. There was Pan, um, the Peter Pan prequel thing. There was The Man from Uncle, um, Our Brandis Crisis, that Sandra Bullock, please give me an Oscar nomination movie, and In the Heart of the Sea, the the movie that isn't Moby Dick, but is I wanted is to see that, Dick. but it wasn't anywhere, and everyone, no one saw it, and hate, everyone hated it. It was Chris Hemsworth on an old boat. I, I was like, all right, right? I'm, sign me up. By the way, he looks hilarious in the new Ghostbusters movie. Um, now, I will say, I mean, he had a couple. He was actually, I, I guess Warner Brothers had some. Yeah, they put out Mad Max, so he gets credit for that. 
And I think Creed was a WB movie too, or at least Creed was a WB movie, indeed. So he did those, but he also did American Sniper, which I know you had really strong feelings okay. against. Okay. Uh, oh, American way, Sniper. I have strong feelings against. Not enough to get mad, but I will get mad about Creed. And here's why I'm going to get mad about Creed. That movie was widely considered by normal critics of smart publications to be one of the best ten films of last year. Okay. Right. New Yorker, New York Times, anyone, yeah. boom, uh, whoever you care about, people for the most part, if not the movie, then a number of the actors or one of the actors, all top ten for last year. Okay. Right. That movie made $150 million worldwide. Okay. On a really? $35 million budget. Yeah. Made 150 million worldwide. It made 50 in that the US was, and 100 abroad. So that means that's in bullshit. One weekend, Batman v Superman has made three times as much money as Creed. Oh, that wasn't even where I was going. <laughs> I'm not going to compare those two, but I will say, I will say, man, you know, Straight Outta Compton made 240 million worldwide, but all of it in the US essentially. So Creed yeah. couldn't even equal that. And with Sylvester Stallone, who's still an icon around. Dude, all, all my fucking roommates are overseas. I, I was asking every, every foreign person I knew when Creed was out. I was like, oh, Stallone. They're like, oh, everyone loves Stallone in my country, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Huge star. Where's the foreign distribution, right? They couldn't invest $30 million in distribution for that movie to make back another $100, $250 million or more. I don't want to get caught up in the weeds here. Point is, they got gold with Creed. And by the way, they just lost their boy to fucking Marvel, right? Warner Brothers, you know, oh, made, made uh, Ryan Coogler, Coogler, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, sorry, he's leaving your ass to go to Disney. And Michael B., if he hadn't gotten so fucked over with the Fantastic Four thing, you know, I mean, he could be going there as well if he wanted to. So I Warner mean, Brothers just doesn't have their priorities. To check. I mean, dude, the Warner Brothers did the Matrix, and this is the thing. No one puts this on the list, and this is, uh, we've never talked about this. The Matrix movies are superhero movies to a T. Oh yeah, and they actually oh, get totally. more. They get more superheroy as they go along in the trilogy, and it's well, they're worth... kind of a mix between uh, superheroy and anime. I mean, the fight. Uh, people have done this. The last fight between Neo and and uh, Agent Smith in the third one is almost shot for shot a fight from Dragon Ball Z in, in a way that's actually a little yeah. bit concerning, like possible plagiarism. But their best fight, and still the best CGI hand to hand fight ever in terms of a pure CGI hand to hand fight, is the. Neo vs. Million Smiths. Right at the start of... Reloaded. In the middle of... Right after he sees the Oracle and Reloaded, Smith shows up. I think the best fight is the train station fight between them and the first one. Just whatever. I mean... Well, no, no. Anyway, point, 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 point being, that particular fight had the dynamics of a superhero. I mean, he's basically oh, yeah. Superman mixed with Batman, and Smith is just like a hundred copies of something. So I'm saying the dynamics of the Matrix movies are very superhero-y, but no one puts them in that category. Right. I always find that interesting, just because they're hackers and binary and stuff like that. You know, doesn't. If anything, it was a forward-thinking... Well, I guess in Japan, that would be considered a backward-looking vision. In America, where we're way behind, we see that as a forward-thinking vision. By the way, confirmed 2014 Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell, directed by Steven Spielberg. I have no idea what that's going to be like. That's the first major anime property coming to this country in like a big way. Um yeah, but uh, Ion Flux really nobody saw, nobody cared. <laughs> I didn't think that movie sucked, but I didn't also know very much about Ion Flux the cartoon, the anime, so I had no idea. Ghost in the Shell. A little man. bit off. 
off topic. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you want to know who's to blame for what's going wrong with Warner yeah, Brothers? I mean, it yeah. might be this guy. It might be Jeff Johns, which is a bummer because he's a good comic book writer. He has done some good work with DC Comics. Some of the stuff he's spearheaded has flopped, but it's DC stuff is always going to flop. And he's done a great job with the TV shows. Um, now, Greg Berlanti is the one who's really running the TV shows, but I'm certain that Jeff Johns is, is having a, a hand in that. Um, so I, I don't know, but I, I... I just, you know, I... It, uh, 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 film companies have their hands in so many properties on so many different levels these days. And it just looks, look to me, like Disney is managing their property better than other companies. Um, you know, will it get old? Probably, you know. But Warner Brothers seems like th- throughout my lifetime that this has happened, right? Hmm. Like, they just seem constantly up and down. It's like Fox. It's like Fox and Warner Brothers. It's like constantly up and down. Disney always maintains the smooth keel somehow, you know, along the rocky waters. They want to be in that solid B plus, A minus range for everything they do. Yeah. And if they produce a couple of A, A plus movies along the way, cool. But if all they do is produce B plus, A minus films, they're happy with that because they think they've got a pretty good formula at this point for producing that stuff. And does that mean they take risks or not? I, I think some of their films are still very risky within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think they've got a system down so they know they're not going to be producing Fs. And this movie is a fucking F. This is a failure of a movie. Yeah. Even in a way Man of Steel is I, not... I, I give it a D-minus just not to give them the satisfaction. Oh, no, this is a failing grade. <laughs> Isn't the D-minus a failing grade? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I mean, yeah, us, we're like, I don't know. We've never been close to failing before. Oh. <laughs> My high school, I think they, they didn't do Fs. They did Es, which makes more sense. But All right, uh, so here we go. I wanted to mention real quick, you, want, you were talking about dumb movies that you like. Yeah, no, this that, is exactly what I was going to ask you. I was bringing us back. I want a movie. That, wait, hold on. I'm, let me reframe it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. I want a movie that bombed either critically or box office-wise or both that you think is not only better than this movie, but just underappreciated in general and we should know about. Go ahead. I don't know that either of these movies are underappreciated, but the Street Fighter movie with Raul Julia and Jean-Claude Van Damme and the Mortal Kombat movie with nobody. Yeah, uh, no, that's safe. That's You're in safe, underappreciated territory. <laughs> I, I don't think either of those are good movies, but I keep coming back to this. They're fun movies. You know, I, I laughed during both of them a little bit more you know not intentionally street fighter actually has lines that are meant to be funny and some of them actually land most of the Mar- of the mortal Kombat stuff is funny unintentionally because of how dumb it is but i would rather watch something unintentionally dumb than something that makes me hate life society and the and the future which is what this fucking movie did yeah and my in my movie is is in that same uh uh, vein, which is Terminator Genesis. Uh, I think Genesis is one of the most underrated action movies of the last few years, and it is fun. It definitely does not take itself too seriously. Constant action, but it's not shaky cam. It's like everything. You see what's going on. Amazing special effects. Mostly it has flawless. J.K. Simmons. Has J.K. Simmons mostly flawless CGI. Amelia Clark, love her. I think Arnold's hilarious in it. 
Is it a mediocre movie? Yeah, sure, on paper, fine, but it's fun, and it's funny, and it's personable, and it just is one adventure ride that you go on. You're like, okay, that was a really cool adventure ride, you know? Not constantly being brought down by the weight of all these political and social issues that aren't even issues and whatever. That they don't explore. Like, one of the things that the trailers teased is this confrontation between Superman and the government. And there's an interesting philosophical question, like germ of a question there of, you know, is a man who acts entirely outside of any system of authority really morally good or is he just doing what he thinks, what he feels like? And this is what's, this is what's brilliant, man. I- I'm sorry, this isn't a victory lap for me. You know I wanted this to be good. I've been trying to be positive about this whole DC situation. Right. I, 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 you know, I've been very open about that. This is not a victory lap, but DC just opened the argument that Civil War is then going to take to much more intellectual and interesting level. Yeah. And relatable level. I mean, the whole, are superheroes good or bad for society? It's like, okay, right. guys, thanks for teeing it up. We don't have to go through steps A, B, C, and D. We can jump to step J, you know, because now you've seen Batman v Superman and you've seen Winter Soldier where this whole thing started, basically. Right. On Ultron of, you know, superheroes versus the government and so forth, blah, blah, blah. It's brilliant. It couldn't be set up better. And uh, I, I have actually heard that uh, that Cap, like the first, like, 30, 40 minutes is, is Cap drama stuff with, like, him and Bucky and um, and Sam Wilson, which I think is another thing this movie lacked. <laughs> Any, like, long periods of sustained, interesting drama, you know? No, it just has long periods of boring nothing. I mean, we um, haven't even seen Agent 13, man, and we know she's going to be a huge love interest in this movie. I mean, his entire love interest has been kept from us completely. And it's Emily Van Camp, who's, like, beautiful and kind of famous, and people know who she is. And she's Peggy Carter's granddaughter. And she's Peggy Carter's granddaughter. Which we don't know at all, which is interesting that they they don't even give her name. Um, I wanted to just finish my point with the philosophical stuff. So, you know, this idea that does the – should Superman be held responsible? The – you know, did he – is he – is this his fault, all this damage that happened? Because if he hadn't come to Earth – Zod and his men wouldn't have come to Earth. Oh, speaking you of know. which, also an insult to crippled people out there for not, not, you know. And if you didn't see that whole thing coming, the second Lex is sitting in the chair, you're like, oh, well, the chair is going to be used for something. Um, and I, know, they, I didn't see the bomb coming. I, I, I actually I went, oh. It was cool because for once it wasn't something in slow motion. But just like everything else Zack Snyder does, he telegraphs everything that's going to happen. Oh, I meant to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. Geography. Yeah. They get an F? Well, they don't use establishing shots, so you don't know where anything is. Well, oh, you mean like where Metropolis is in relation I, to I've heard, I've heard that from a geographical standpoint, this is where we get super nerdy and we, we got to check the clock right. here, uh, that geographically actually Gotham and Metropolis are not that far. It would be like New Jersey to Delaware or something yeah, like I've that. Yeah, sa- I've said that. Was That's- that you? Okay. I didn't care that they were close enough that Superman can fly there. Superman can fly around the Earth. I didn't care like, whatsoever about the geography. That was I was so annoyed by millions of other things. The geography was last on my list. I cared that there was a lack of establishing shots to the point that it was really hard to figure out where things were happening sometimes. Um, you know, you were talking about how Civil War is going to explore this more in depth. There have been even in DC explorations of no, this. No, I don't think let me let me correct my statement. I don't okay. think it's going to explore it more in depth politically, but I do think it will personally. 
And it I might. Think, and I think in terms of Stark, Rogers, you know, Natasha, right. Sam Wilson, Bucky, and that's what's interesting in these movies are the personal stakes, right? Oh, yeah. Like Ronan uh, in Guardians yes. is not interesting other than the personal stakes of the Guardians themselves. Right. And why and they all is, hate him and are angry at him. And this is what people have complained about with the DC movies versus the Marvel movies, is the Marvel movies seem to be character-driven, and they seem to be about people. The DC movies seem to be about these demigods who don't talk like normal people, who don't have emotions like normal people, who don't have arcs like normal people. I think Robert Downey Jr., uh, I believe it was RDJ, said... Uh, um, Marvel has great heroes. DC has great villains. I'm not sure. I, DC has good heroes too. I'm not saying it's I just, agree with them. I'm just saying yeah. that's that's one, you know, but, a guy who I, whose opinion I respect, even if I don't agree with it. Right. What I wanted the point I wanted to finish. I think he is, means. So, I think what he means is numbers. I don't think he means like they have I no great I, I don't heroes. Know. There's yeah. a there's a lot of super comic book characters. It's yeah. kind of hard. But to the say. jump off from Batman and Superman to everything else DC, you said it yourself. It's a big jump. It's a bigger yeah. jump than anything in Marvel, as far as I can tell. At this point, if it was done right, it didn't have to be. They just fucked it up. Um, this movie, you know, this question of is bat if it's Superman's fault. This is a central question in comics is basically it's the chicken or the egg, but it's what comes first, the supervillain or the superhero. Does the hero create the villain or do the villains exist and the superhero is the natural outcropping? Even something as simple as, and it wasn't simple, but as young in its, in its uh, target as the Batman animated show from the 90s deals with this question in a complex, mature way. Um, there's an episode where the villains put Batman on trial, basically. Um, and then ultimately, you know, they conclude, well, we probably screwed our own lives up. Batman didn't have anything to do with it, but we're just going to kill you anyway. And so the, the kind of the conclusion is maybe you did create the situation, but now you're the only one who can fight it. Right. This is a cartoon meant for children right. that dealt more maturely and with more complexity. The question that this movie was supposed to address, but never does. The scene where you think they're going to address it is just a – they basically say, no, we just wanted you to think that so we could actually blow everything up and have it just be a dumb action movie. Well, right, and this is why – and since it is my show, I'm allowed to circle back to things, so I'm going to do so in terms of, in terms of my Terminator Genesis comparison because that was also a reboot, just like this is a reboot. Um and this had no, uh, you know, uh, carrying over characters. Obviously, Terminator, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger, different John Connor, different Kyle Reese. But the, the stakes there are apocalyptic, but it's not trying to make any political statements. And so it can focus on filmmaking a lot more and just know what it is, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and not pretend to be smart. Although I also think that the, some of the timeline dynamics in Genesis are somewhat underappreciated on repeat viewings um, and are interesting. But the other thing about Genesis is that on a $155 million budget, let's, let's be honest, it's probably half of what the Batman budget was. You At know, least. had special effects. The final scene where Arnold, you know, with his skin coming off, is spinning around the time travel device with the the Terminator John Connor, who's made of this like really advanced molecular 
uh, biological material, and there's just layer after layer after layer of this material being shed off of him as they spin around and they fight. It looks so spectacular, and I'm watching. I'm watching fucking Doomsday tonight. I was like, man, they should have just stole the John Connor, and they hinted at it with his skin coming off once, right? There was like mm-hmm. one point, yeah, there was one point, but Genesis is like layer after layer. The visualization's amazing. Genesis is a movie that, even though it didn't do well in the box office, still made almost $400 million overseas and was done with love by director and, and crew and cast and everyone. I, this movie doesn't feel like a done with love movie. And I think that's where the problem is. It, it's, you know, and that's why The Avengers was such an amazing accomplishment because that, that should have felt like this. That should have felt like too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, but this one just couldn't escape it. And so where, uh, you know, wh- wh- where now? Where, where to now? Uh, I mean, we think there's a Batman movie coming. We think there's an Aquaman movie coming. They've got to do Wonder Woman. I mean, the one thing critics... I think they've just about done. finished that movie. Yeah. Which one? Wonder Woman. I, if it's not done, it's very close to being oh, done. Oh, really? I think so. I, I mean, if they're eyeing a 2017 uh, release, which would suggest, you know, you would generally have a movie done, I think, about a year in advance. No, not these days. These days they start shooting a year in advance. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. I, you might be right. I don't know. I, I mean, Wonder Woman is going to happen. I mean, they should. I, I, I hope you're right. They should be that far ahead if possible. And, yeah. and as long as these movies make as much money as they seem like they're going to make – uh, now, it is possible that it's going to drop off so dramatically from week one to week two that it really does only top out at about $700 million or something. You know, um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to do quite well. But as long as it, it makes sense fiscally to do something, they'll keep doing it. So I think we're going to get a lot of these movies. We're going to get a Justice League. We're going to get a Wonder Woman. We're probably going to get a solo Batman and I would assume we are probably going to get an Aquaman and a Flash. I don't know about Cyborg. That's one of the last solo movies in the DCEU slate. But that's exactly what they should be going for. That's the problem. They're not thinking far enough ahead. They should be trying to jump ahead of Marvel, not, you know. <sighs> yeah, like I'm just... The problem is... All right, so... If we ever did a, a, a Bizzlecast about race in comics, I, I feel like I could comment m- with a little bit more. Well, that would be interesting, my friend. You would be yeah. far more qualified than I to talk about that. Yeah, you know, when you want to talk about race in movies, I don't feel at all comfortable dealing with that. But I feel like I do have at least some handle on race sure. in comics. Sure. One of the biggest problems is how few really big name black uh, superheroes there actually are. Black Panther is pretty big in marvel but i mean is there anybody even black similar panther, black panther's big as a, a figure that everyone knows but and i think black panther has grown in importance and popularity oh, over yeah. the last couple of decades well that's well I, it's mainly due actually to reginald hudlin who mm-hmm. used to run bet who's a executive in hollywood who actually right. was the is a black you know middle-aged black man um was the executive producer of the academy awards and got chris right. rock uh because why not you know and uh he uh brought back black panther wrote uh, uh three four five trade paperbacks in the mid 2000s um 
That was the one I was going to send you. I just thought you had that. I was going to send you who is the Black Panther. I thought you had that already. Uh, it's great. It, it, you know, it just introduces the mythology and introduces Ulysses Claw and his dad being killed, you know, right. and, and, and all that stuff. And it's it's great. It's dark, but it's dark in the X-Men way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just he's a dark character. He's got he a huge responsibility. He's got a whole kingdom and trying to save the world at the same time, you know what I mean? He right. fights Cap. He beats Cap actually he beats cap in a fight which i think we're gonna see in the movie they're teasing it pretty strongly right. <laughs> as he's, he's running out i, I love that the black panther's r- running after the winter soldier you know it's like there's no question of like who's chasing who um but uh but anyways yeah i i, I, would, I would love to have that conversation with you man i, I sure. didn't know that was an interested uh, interest of yours oh yeah i mean the point i was going to make simply is that you've got him I'm not even sure there is anybody on the DC side who is even that popular. You have Jon Stewart, one of the Green Lanterns, who is not the most popular Green Lantern. Um, you have Steel, who is a spin-off character from Superman, who has never really worked, you know, achieved what I think DC was hoping they would. And then that's kind of it. So, you know, and you have Cyborg. Uh, who has always been a team character more than a solo character. They've tried to do solo sh- series with That's him. That's what lately. I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't get caught up in the orthodoxy of what's been done before. Right, but if you're WB and you don't seem to know what you're doing, you're not going to roll out a character who is... I mean, we can mock Aquaman, but Aquaman is still way better known than Cyborg. Okay. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me change arenas here Okay, I know you're going to understand. All right. you're, you're building a team, okay? Basketball team, baseball team, whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Talent or experience? Uh, well, you want talent and a good coach. Exactly. So you want a director and you want talent. doesn't matter how young they are, how much experience they have, but you've got the right coach who's the director – and you got the right talent, that's what you need. I love Iron Man. The reality is the Iron Man that we know now is 80% Robert Downey Jr. and 20% the Tony Stark I read in the early 90s. Right. Okay. Um, whose suit he's based on, which is brilliant, by the way. <laughs> I love that they preserved that, but you know what I'm saying? And I'm cool with that. That's great. You know, I think Wolverine is a little more 50-50, which is what it's supposed to be. Um, but you know, I, I, again, I, I feel like I'm constantly insulting Cavill without trying to insult him because it's not his fault, but you know, it, it is, it is what it is. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Iron Man one was a lot of fun, but there's a lot of improv in that movie. The script itself is nothing amazing. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. completely makes that performance with a great assist from Gwyneth Paltrow, who yep. he brought into that project, who didn't want to do it. He begged her to do it, and she was amazing with him. Um, and even Jeff Bridges, I know he gets criticized, but you know, when he's still playing the good guy, he's great. He's hilarious. Or at least the not supervillain bad right, guy. Right, not the supervillain bad guy. But, and you have Paul Bettany, who's, who does a good oh, job God. with simply his voice. Oh. I mean... Dude, we're going to see... He's one of my favorite actors, by the way. I love Paul Bettany. Dude, I we're, watched we're, him shitting... We are one month from Paul Bettany being forced to his knees by the Scarlet Witch, who we know they end up together. I mean, in every comic universe, the Vision right. and the Scarlet Witch, as far Maybe as I, I can tell. setting up how that's going to happen. Yeah, but they're going to be against each other at first. And look how excited I am. This is the thing. You know, right. there's no biases here. I just... I think about Civil War. I think about Black Panther. 
I wanted to end on a positive note, actually, of of some movie quick hits on some movies this year. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, any anything else you want to drop about Batman v Superman? I simply what you just said about how this Iron Man is eighty percent Robert Downey Jr. and about twenty seven. That might have been comics. a slight exaggeration. Uh, no, I understand that. You know, yeah. or Jackman is fifty from the comics, fifty his own yeah. creation. I think it returns to kind of my point earlier about. Do you, when you're adapting a character, how much do you take from pre-existing material and how much do you make up on your own? And where Batman v Superman utterly fails is they have they reject just about everything with Superman. Like he's he's zero percent comics as far as I can tell, or Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner, Superman, or Clark Kent, Smallville, Tom Welling, Superman. He's nothing that existed before Snyder's version, and what. The and what Cavill and Snyder brought to it was just n- nothing most of the time. He's just bland and boring, and what he did bring was terrible. Affleck is like forty percent Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Batman, but not necessarily the good parts. And then the sixty percent they fill in the gaps with, again, a lot of it's just nothing, just flat affect, boring. And what's left over the whatever fills in the gaps is is garbage. Um, you know, so maybe they should have actually read some comics and tried to figure out not just what happens in the stories, but you know, why do people like Superman and Batman? Dude, this is the sad thing though, is Snyder professes love for both Superman and Batman. Yeah, he said he based this much more on quote-unquote the comics than the movies, which alone which is a telling statement because it suggests he thinks there's only one characterization of Batman or Superman in the comics when there have been decades of different characterizations. Uh, that's reading between his words a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I can't see how it's possible that he thinks he's respecting the material. It, it seems, yeah. It's like, I love you, so I'm going to take a shit on you. you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. However, however, we can always come back to it. The best news is that this is probably, I think, going to be the worst of the billion-dollar movies this year. I I can't see what could be worse I think we're going to be moving up on up. And I'm going to start, actually, get your quick response to The Jungle Book in (laughs) mid-April, which I have heard for many months, because it's been done for a while now, is excellent and is going to kill in the theaters. And I grew up on the Jungle Book and then has Scarlet and all sorts of people's voices. Right, it's got a whatever. great voice cast. Great voice um, cast. And it's Disney. I think they're going to nail it. April 15th. I, I would like to see them nail it, but the Cinderella live action movie, a lot of people described it as take the cartoon, strip out everything you loved, all the music and joy, and replace it with nothing, and you've got the live action movie. My big fear with the Jungle Book, um, and we've already seen some hints of that where, like, the bear is whistling just a little hint of the bear necessities, which is my favorite song from that movie. Um, oh, I didn't know this was so personal. I'm excited. I brought this up. Pat, up my, I, I pat myself on the back. I love the Jungle Book, too. And I, and I, I know, know what you mean. see it, but... My only concern. I'm just saying. I've that, heard. I've heard that it's excellent. I, I've. I've. Seen, I, I hope it is. People I mean, it's excellent. And, and just fun to have a Jungle Book with famous people, you know. And there'll be some music, and we'll see, you know. Who knows? And then, you know, I'll, I'm going to put the two May movies together 
Although I shouldn't ignore this. What movies? The, okay, so oh, the two main movies. I know what you're movies. Yeah. yeah. Although X Men Apocalypse comes out May 27th. Right. I'm a little nervous. Alice Through the Looking Glass comes out that same weekend. Oh. And that's going to make a lot of money among the younger audience. Maybe. Disney is, uh, it's three weeks after Civil War. They're such assholes. They're going to take three straight weeks with Civil War from May 6th to May 27th. And then they're going to drop Alice through the looking glass and make another billion dollars. I'm, I, I, I've continued to hope that Apocalypse can hit a billion, but it seems like there are a lot of things in their way, including two other big superhero movies before them. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I was are you going? Are you going plus plus or minus one billion dollars? Civil War, I would say plus. I, I think that oh, will yeah. make no, over that's, a that's billion. No, that's no question. That's no question. Uh, I do not believe Apocalypse is going to crack a billion. I just, I don't quite see it. None of the X Men movies have pulled it off yet. I do. You want to know? You want to know why? Okay. You want to know why? Why? And I told you I was going to bring this back. I held off the entire time. Because my statistical analysis, my friend. Right. The X Men movies have the highest split between foreign and domestic of all the Mm -hmm. superhero properties. Okay. Meaning they make the highest percentage of their income from overseas. Okay. And even though X Men Days of Future Past was a little bit below Guardians, around where Winter Soldier was. Right, they beat both of those movies by fifty to a hundred million dollars each overseas, even while making less here. So I actually think Disney, who is only weakness, <laughs> is that some of its properties like Star Wars aren't as effectual overseas as here. Proportionally, that Apocalypse could easily make seven to eight hundred million dollars overseas, which is what Iron Man three made. Iron Man three made eight hundred dollars overseas three years ago. So if Apocalypse can make eight hundred overseas, I don't see why it won't make a billion. Now it has to be good. It, of all the three movies, it's the one that has to actually be good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm sort of with you about Days of Future Past. X two is still my favorite. I will say on each repeat viewing of Days of Future Past, I like it more. More, I find it very rewatchable. Mm-hmm. But this has to be the one. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the nuke image at the beginning of the trailer is the exact image from Terminator Genesis. I mean, they uh-huh. like took the exact, which was itself, you know, it's a shared property at this point. Anyways, it's a lot of apocalypse. But, right. but here's the question. Here's the question. Let me throw it at you. Because, I'm a, you know, I'm an X-Men guy. So I really want your, right. I want your feedback on this, which is okay. that you got Zack Snyder with Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Uh, okay. I'm, or I'm going to give you Brian Singer with Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. I think I, I think Singer is a little bit in a better position when you add Jennifer Lawrence and you know the younger cast. That's what I'm talking about. Talent. Oh, in best? terms of star power. In terms, in terms of just sexiness, talent. You know, for for the newer generation. Oh, it, it's Singer in the X movies by a yeah. long shot. Yeah. yeah I, okay. Yeah. Some people were complaining, like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is getting so much billing for this movie. I'm like, yeah, she's fucking Jennifer Lawrence playing Mystique. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I'd be mad if she weren't. No, I, I think the overall cast in terms of, like, proven box office talent, it still favors, sure. in theory, it favors Snyder. But I, I think the youth of the, the X cast, I think... The energy that they bring, I mean, there was such a lifelessness to Batman v Superman um, that I haven't seen 
even in the shitty X movies in Origins, Wolverine, and X3, you got the sense they were at least trying, but they just they didn't quite know what they were doing or or they didn't have the movie conceived quite the right way. Um, but at least they tried, and at least both those movies had some fun scenes. Uh, X3 had a lot had a, a couple of pretty good scenes. Origins, Wolverine, maybe maybe none, but even then, at least it was short. Um, well, but uh, you know, I think you look at the original X Men for right. for some. You have you know Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and Jean. Right? Mm-hmm. We love we love them. Halle Berry, Famke Jensen, James Marsden. You know, great great you know great team players. But the reality is, this day and age, Fassbender, McAvoy, Lawrence, and you throw in Nick Holt. That's a pretty powerful cast right there. I- I'm actually curious to see how they're going to work in so many new characters. Right. Because um, this is the handoff movie, obviously. Like, not all these guys are... St- like, I think Magneto's going to die. Or Mystique could die, too. Who fucking knows? I don't know. Um, um, but uh, anyways, point being, you know, does Batman v Superman influence that movie's outcome at all at this point? Or it's just not related? No, not I don't related. think so. I don't see it coming. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I think the movie's coming up later in this year. Okay, so I'm going to run through them real quick, and then we'll wrap up. So we got right. um, June, a movie that I keep thinking is going to surprise people and be actually really good is Warcraft. And the only, <laughs> the only reason I think that, I have actually multiple reasons. One, the director, Duncan Jones, is brilliant. Directed Moon, directed Source Code, Son of David Bowie, brilliant up-and-coming director. Two great movies under his belt. One indie, one Hollywood. And Travis Fimmel, who plays like the lead knight or whatever, who's from Vikings. Vikings, my favorite underrated show. He's awesome as Ragnar on that show. And I've heard that this is one of those like you have to see in 3D movies. And I never see 3D, so I might have to actually break my, uh, you know, break my streak for this or whatever. Um, but just real quick, we talked about Ghostbusters. Okay, here we go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hone in on like two or three for the rest of the year. We'll wrap. The Ghostbusters trailer, which we don't have to go yeah. into in depth, really didn't grab me. I, uh, I and it wasn't because they were women; it was because they looked like video game characters. But <laughs> that's the point. It's like a, it, they're dressed exactly like the old guys. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I got I got three for the I think okay three. Star Trek Beyond, July 22nd. I've gone out of my way to read nothing about this movie. I'm calling it Star Fast Trek Furious because it's Justin Lin of the the Fast and Furious movies. And his cinematographer. Okay, so, yeah, Star Fast Trek Furious. I have no idea. It it ought to be fine, I guess. Simon Pegg wrote it. Yeah, so it ought to be good. Idris Elba's the bad guy. Yeah, so it ought to be good. That doesn't mean it will be. No. But I think I think you can make seven eight hundred million and get you know three stars. I, I think this it will sure. be enough to continue. I just hope that they do because Zoe at least and Chris Pine to a lesser extent are in very high demand. Hmm. Zoe's like one of the most bankable actresses in Hollywood. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so she's gonna have Zoe's gonna end up having um billion potentially billion dollar. Franchise major appearances in three different franchises. Yeah, that's that's Guardians, Star Trek, Avatar. Unbelievable. Okay, <laughs> um, Suicide Squad. Um, I, this movie, I was not really on the on board with Suicide Squad in the first place. 
this movie makes me not want to see DC Comics movies ever again. So Suicide Squad, I am going to wait until I have read every critical review that comes out of, and wait three weeks before I see it. I am not... At least it doesn't take itself too seriously. We can already tell that from the trailers. I'm not sure I agree with that. Oh, uh, really? I thought tone, just Bohemian Rhapsody by itself basically said so. I don't know. There's been a couple of different trailers, and some of them, one of them is... Wait, you've uh, seen the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, though, right? Yeah, but no, I've seen no, the other no, one. No, 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 That's great. I love it. Margot Robbie is going to carry that movie. She'll be great. This is what's great, man. Jared Leto, thing. who is a good actor. I mean, he's a... Oh. He's a and he's he's just disturbed enough to pull off a role like the Joker for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but how great, man, would it be if if Margot Robbie and Gal Gadot were carrying the franchises forward? That would be awesome. Sure, uh, you know? but you got to understand if Suicide Squad has anything to do with Justice League, it's going to be super minimal. This isn't going to be like I think Guardians of the Galaxy is going to converge with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe pretty quickly. I don't see Suicide Squad having anything to do with the Justice League movies. Um, well, because like, half it's those... like having a show called Gotham that has nothing to do with anything. Right. DC does not understand how to handle these properties. It's amazing. Well, that we certainly agree with. I mean, they're all so separated, you know? The TV, the, you know? And, the... and they've said specifically that they want to do that, that they want the DC TV universe to be its own thing and the movie universe to be its own thing. Now, the TV universe acknowledges multiple versions of reality exist, so why the movies can't be just an alternate reality, I don't know. Maybe they are going with that, in which case, cool. Um, but yeah. it just it, it feels like they're trying to be different in the wrong ways and similar in the wrong ways. <laughs> like, Yeah, and I wish I, I could explain or figure out why the TV shows work, or why they're better than the shows Marvel has on TV, not on Netflix, but I would take Arrow and Flash over Peggy Car- Agent Carter and and definitely Agents of Shield. Um, so well, is is it fair to say Jessica Jones feels a little DCE? Um, like but no, like with a modern really. sheen. No, she's not enough of a, like a mythological kind of. Well, I, too, dis- one, too disturbed. I don't think the differences between Marvel and DC as comic characters. I think that's been overstated a little bit. Um, but I, I guess just, I mean, she feels because of her connection with Daredevil and the Defenders and Daredevil is such a blatant Marvel ripoff of Batman. I mean, we all know that that's the case. Like people in the podcast, if you're still listening at this point, hopefully you know that (laughs) Daredevil was blatantly and openly a ripoff of Batman by Marvel, whatever. Um, you know, in that sort of noir detective, you know, old school Batman genre, just fits in that kind of nicely as does daredevil both both the netflix series kind of feel um uh asexual if you will when it comes to their and where they come from i don't know that's coming from a marvel guy you know i I don't know if if that's the case i'm trying to come up with reasons why the tv properties are working more um so um do you have anything else to say on that no, that's okay. all I got for that particular one. All right, so I got one more movie for you, and okay. we'll, we'll close off the year on a high note, and we'll do final thoughts. November 4th, Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. I, I think I'm... this movie could be really cool. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to surprise – I'm not sure it's going to surprise people because it's hard to be surprised when Marvel produces a good MCU movie. But I, I think it's going to – 
get the weirdness that you kind of want in the Thor movies just because it is an out there kind of a concept. Um, but I think it's going to execute it a lot better than I think the Thor movies have up till now. Way better. They need to because he's the wizard. He needs to have rules. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's been Thor's been totally nonsensical. But dude, to be honest with you, whether you read new Thor like Jason Aaron or like you know Walter Simonson who like created the modern Thor in the '80s or whatever, it never makes sense. It never makes sense. The characters are one dimensional. The stories are absurd. I mean, that's what no one realized about the Thor movies is that the Chris Hemsworth as Thor and Loki as uh, and uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki are by far the most three dimensional performances of those characters any right. in any media ever, and definitely Anthony Hopkins as Odin. So they're they're they have to they have to really go the farthest, I think, you know, to make it work. And, and I don't think the blend of fantasy and science fiction, frankly, has worked great in the Thor movies at all. As I've told you, my favorite part of both movies are the Earth stuff. Um, you know, so what does that say about all the money and time they're investing in in the dark elves and so forth? Not right. my thing. I agree with you. And when you get four Oscar winner slash nominees as your main four characters. Um, throw in Benedict Wong and Martin Freeman, and oh no, it may be Martin Freeman's not that movie, but you know, I mean, it's it's a great cast, and I love Edgy of Four. I cannot wait to see Edgy of Four with with Cumberbatch. I mean, I'd watch that pairing in anything that has nothing to do with comic book movies, right? And he's playing Baron Moto, I think, so he's playing a villain. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, we get well, to they see. Start, I think they start as friends, and then he becomes a villain. Is the idea? Well, what I'm hoping is that it means we get to see a little bit more of kind of the the operative oh, serenity yes. style. Oh yes, because we'll I definitely mean, be seeing that 100. Yeah. percent I think the idea is they actually fight together most of the first movie, and then he turns um, because that's how it is in the comic books. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. that like from the movie production, but like, they haven't denied those rumors, which would make sense with Shiwatel's character. Yep. To be able to play a convincing good friend of the guy and then a convincing enemy. It's like Tom Hiddleston. There's a few actors that can do that, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it. So, just to wrap it up, um, you know, I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. Or, or maybe I just posted it or told you, which was, this movie was exactly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And if I'm disappointed in anything, it's that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like maybe it could have even been worse and I could have just been laughing at it. But there's so many people being killed. Um, doesn't this, so you talk about Man of Steel being sort of post 9-11. Right. Doesn't this feel post post 9-11? Well, and other critics have pointed this out, so I'm not being super original in this. This movie in this really cold, stupid way goes out of its way to explain that pe- that innocents aren't being killed in this, that there's like, you know, Gal. You know, Wonder Woman looks at Batman and said, "Why'd you lead it back here?" And he goes, "Well, because the docks are are deserted. Nobody's around." And I know it's going to sound weird complaining about this, but I'm not entirely sure this approach of we're going to wreck everything, but go out of our way to explain why nobody gets hurt is any better than last time, where we are going to indirectly kill thousands of people and bring up everybody's fears about 9/11, because this is just such a cold soulless, you know, just audience appeasement way of doing it um, that it didn't feel any better to me. I mean... Can I, can I jump in for a second? 
because this is actually a note I've had from before we started. I, I wasn't going to work it in if it didn't come up. This will be my final thought. I'll let you have the final, final thought. But I couldn't but be helped thinking about the way social issues are dealt with in Age of Ultron versus this movie. Right. So in Age of Ultron, we don't know this at first, but we find out that the town where the last Hydra base is located, Sokovia, or the city or the country or whatever, uh, was a place where there was war where Tony Stark's weapons were used. But we don't know that at first, right? So... Iron Man's trying to penetrate the base. It, probably the greatest opening action scene. I mean, easily the greatest opening action scene in any comic book movie ever. With them, you know, get you get the side, you know, still frame shot of them jumping through right from the comic books. Mm-hmm. Love it. Caps doing the shield with the motorcycle. You know, I can just see it in my head. Anyway, so Stark's trying to penetrate in Iron Man, and uh, and uh, Van Strucker, the head Hydra guy. You know, they just start firing you know missiles and stuff at the Avengers. It's the Avengers. And, uh, hit, you know, there's one shot, one shot. I, I've seen the movie a million times. A single shot of weapons hitting the town of Sokovia. One shot, okay? Not 10 minutes of dragging through a city. One shot. At which point, uh, Iron Man says, All right, call in the Iron Legion. Right. Whatever they're called. And so his five drones, which become Ultron, but are friendly, and actually have James Spader's friendly voice, which is great. You get that at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the movie. Like, hi, we're here to help. Please stop. And what are they doing? They're pelting the robots with shit. And you're going, why are they pelting the robots with shit? And you look at the wall and you see, you know, Iron Man graffiti X'd out, like, you know, we hate weapons of war. They sell that entire thing in like 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So that when the twins, who I love, came after them, I know he wasn't as good as you know Evan Peters, whatever. But in general, the twins were great. When they come after Tony, they don't have to spend fucking forty minutes setting up why. There's that scene, and then there's them talking with Ultron when they're first joining together, and there's a little bit of exposition about almost dying because of Tony Stark. Blah 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 blah. That's it. That's it. That's way more personal. And so at the end, when they realize what's going to happen to their own people, the twins turn back. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There are these personal journeys, these personal voyages in these movies. You may love some, you may not, but the the amount of real human relation, and yet you get more jokes, more and better action, more everything, you know, it's, I guess it's a rare skill. And maybe Marvel's just, you know, got a got a, got a hoard of riches right now. Um, so that'll be my my final thought about how to how to talk about you know issues of war and stuff in comic book movies without hitting people over the head with it for like thirty minutes. And then right. they, oh oh, I forgot to just really quickly I forgot that they end up in Wakanda, so we get introduced to Wakanda for Black right. Panther, and you've got and you know Andy Circus playing Ulysses Claw, the Black Panther villain. He's got all the vibranium. We're learning about the vibranium, learning about Wakanda. Boom, ties it all together. So for people to complain because Thor is in a pool for two minutes and there's lightning him around, I'm like, really? That's this what we're complaining about? Okay, <laughs> fine. And and, and I, I, I honestly, man, I don't want to bust your balls, but I, I want you to look at this movie and look at Ultron. Tell me that you don't appreciate Ultron more when you see a movie like this. Oh, I totally do. Yeah. No, I... I have this isn't this. like a crusade. I just like... No. I, I feel like I'm in the dark sometimes, you know? I didn't like Ultron as much as the first Avengers. That didn't mean I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. Okay. We never um, really had the conversation. So I, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I would watch Ultron five times. <laughs> yeah. I have to watch. I like, 
if we do a year from now an audio commentary on Batman v Superman, I may have to do it with my eyes closed. Like, I, I really don't want to ever engage with this property ever again. And, you know, you want to know what my final thought is. It's a really depressing thought. So everything I was afraid this movie was going to Hey, dude, be- I saw Batman v Superman tonight. It can't be that bad. Okay. <laughs> I, sorry. Yeah, really. I'm sorry. You set me up. You set me up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I love you. Man. Everything I was afraid was going to be in this movie would be it was. So no, I I'm right. I was right about this. But I don't feel any of the joy that usually comes when I'm right about something because ultimately what I realize is I am right, but it's very unlikely anything is going to change because these movies are making money, they're making a lot of money, and they're and Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck and and Henry Cavill Nobody who made this movie seems to acknowledge that these are faults with their film. They just will they just keep going back to, oh, we based it off Dark Knight Returns. The fans give love this movie and it's a fan movie. It's not a movie made for critics. So ultimately the thought I take from this is I am totally right about this movie, but so the fuck what? And that's super depressing because I've got four well, more years of this stupid. Dude, as, as a as as a Bizzlecast senior contributor, I can't let you wallow in your misery. Well, I'm glad you let me rant for this for three hours because at least now I can sleep. Uh, I, it, it, this this was a therapy. I mean, I didn't want to say it. it's a therapy session. It's cool. We all this need it. For, we all need this, it. You used that word when we were setting this up, and uh, but you know. Bizzlecast thirty, which was your first podcast with me. Star Trek, Star Wars, etc. At least four months ago, we yes. predicted all of this. Yep. We said Batman v Superman overhyped, not going to be good. Civil War going to be awesome. Apocalypse probably going to be pretty good. You know, I mean, look at we're looking really what we're looking at right now. I mean, there's been nothing. Deadpool's been the big surprise. Yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I had that one slightly. I, I, but still, I can't take too much credit for it because I actually don't like Deadpool in the comics all the time. So I'm still shocked by that. But you were uh, optimistic about it. I was I more was, optimistic. I was, I was more optimistic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, bearish been, is conservative, right? Bullish is aggressive, and you were, you were you were mildly bearish. Yeah. yeah. You were mildly bearish, but anyways, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm always gonna be. I'm always gonna be bullish on Wolverine and X Men. Um, cause it appeals to me. So why can't, you know, why wouldn't it appeal to other people? Right. Um, this will be uh, also really quick side note and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up is that apocalypse will be the first huge X-Men movie without, uh, or Brian Singer X-Men movie without Wolverine or mm-hmm. without a lot of Wolverine. Now it'll be interesting to see if that has an effect. I hate to say it, look at the numbers. Jennifer Lawrence actually has a more positive effect than a lack of Hugh Jackman negative effect. But anyways, um, but yeah, but it's looking good. Uh, I think still going forward. I just wish, like uh, you know, I don't mean to say this to be kind of lending, but like I want DC to be good or just better. Just to keep Marvel on their toes, you know. Like I, yeah. I, I want competition. Like in these yeah. in these creative arenas, I want healthy, good competition. And it doesn't help Marvel when DC sucks. Or let me stop. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me stop saying DC. It doesn't help Marvel when Warner Brothers sucks. It They're the same thing, but yeah. but it doesn't help Marvel when the movies that DC creates, when the product DC is trying to push to be a direct competition to MC, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sucks. And what's annoying is the DC Comics characters 
they are not inferior or I think superior to the Marvel ones. They're almost identical. They they really are. So there's no reason DC has to settle for this kind of crap. If you like DC, you should want better quality movies than this because there's no reason you can't have them. You know, this idea that you have to be willing to swallow dog shit movies like Batman v Superman to get the comic characters you arbitrarily prefer is nonsense. There's no reason why DC movies couldn't be a lot better. And the fact that DC doesn't seem to, or Warner Brothers doesn't seem to know how to make them better is depressing and frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's a tough call. Um, I do think some of the Marvel characters just do translate better on screen in 2016, but it's not they like... They have translated they better. Ha- right, right, right. It's been proven so far. But, dude, I mean, you know, I <laughs> I talk about it on Dark Knight uh, Rises podcast, which I'll release probably uh, a week from now, whenever my buddy Aaron... Um, Dark Knight Rises, a movie I've come to really like and is, I would say, my favorite DC movie, outside of maybe The Dark Knight, I guess, but Dark Knight's a little oversaturated for me at this point. really like Dark Knight Rises, and uh, that was the movie that I think was like sort of the closest to where they should be aiming to go in terms of maintaining a, uh, a unique feel, but a little more accessible, and I send that podcast at the very, very end. You probably won't, you won't get that far, which is just that. I thought it overperformed. People say, oh, 2012 Avengers made one and a half billion and uh you know and uh Dark Knight Rises made 1.1 billion underperforms like nah it's a solo character in a limited trilogy versus a giant team up movie you know so I, I don't know why the company that did that is now here um I can't explain it I I I think heads are going to roll for this but maybe they, maybe not I I mean because the problem is they'll just be able to say, oh, we made all this money, so why are you going to fire us? Right. I, I mean, the, the biggest um, downside of the legacy of the Nolan movies is that they convinced, and the failure of Green Lantern and Superman Returns to a lesser extent, is they convinced Warner Brothers that the only way their characters can work is if they are made like Nolan films, if they are dark and gritty and realistic, and they force every character that they have in their stable through that lens. The Nolan movies work because Batman is a good character for those kind of movies. You cannot keep rolling, pretending that Superman or Wonder Woman or The Flash works as that kind of a character. They just don't. Um, Now, they've said that Ezra Miller, because of his characterization, his movie is going to be lighter and funnier. Fine. I'm a little worried, though, that what they're going to do with The Flash is this high-strung, hyperactive, basically Lex Luthor but a good guy character. And the 30 seconds of The Flash we saw in Batman v Superman suggests that that's where they're going with that character, that he's not funny or heartfelt. He's just frenetic. You know, he's – think of the shittiest parts of Evan Peters' Quicksilver character – Without the humanity at his core, you know. Well, I'm not sure what shitty parts there. Are. I guess I, I I get your your meaning. Um, yeah, they they have a they have a uh, company speak problem. They they have right. an insiders problem. You know, they're they're. No, Evan, 
Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying there's an echo chamber. This happens Mm -hmm. in companies all the time. This is happening at Apple. Apple is a perfect example, and I'm the biggest Apple whore ever. I've used nothing but Apple products since like 2005. First iPhone, whole thing. I've had every single iPhone. I'm the biggest Apple whore. I'm doing this on my fucking MacBook right now. That's why I love it. Doesn't crash that much. Knocking on wood. <laughs> Treat me well. But since Steve's job dies, uh, since Steve Jobs died, there has been a sort of inward looking of the company, uh, where they're looking to tweak things rather than really innovate. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's a good place to be. I mean, Apple's sitting on a trillion dollars of cash, so I think they're okay. But Warner Brothers, I don't think they're sitting on a trillion dollars of cash. They're sitting on a lot, but they've also not had a good year. So that but what they they're sitting should on be, is shrinking. But they should also be looking at Creed as a failure financially is what I'm saying. I'm, I, sure. I, I want – if that's my company, I want to take a good long look in the mirror and said, wow, this movie should have made $300 million worldwide. If we had mm-hmm. just distributed and marketed it properly, everyone loves it. What was great about it. That movie made $2 million a day, every day for like six to eight weeks. That never happens. It's word of mouth. People loved it. They didn't know where to see it. You know, you've got this property. It looks like a fucking $100 million movie. Like, what are you embarrassed about? Stallone, Jordan, the whole thing. That's what really worries me. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to distract from Batman v Superman, but, you know, b- big money flops have <laughs> been happening since before you and I were born and will continue to happen long after we are gone. Uh, although maybe not in our perfect utopia, Matt. Maybe every movie will be amazing and creative and personable, funny, relatable, and rewatchable. Bernie Sanders is elected president. No, I'm maybe cut that <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. Um, yeah. I did have one other really quick comment that oh. I had to throw in that we didn't get to that pissed yeah. me off when I found out. So you know the scene at the beginning of Batman v Superman where Lois is in Africa and her photographer gets shot in the head and dies? Yes, I do remember that one. That photographer is Jimmy Olsen. That is one of the like five or six most important oldest characters in Superman history. Wait, what? And How is that Jimmy Olsen? That's Jimmy Olsen. He's not named in the version of that made the film, but Zack Snyder has said that's Jimmy Olsen. We didn't know what to do with him or how to fit him into our world, so we just killed him right away. He'll get named in the R-rated ver- uh, t- you know, director's version. They shot Jimmy Olsen in the head without naming him. This is... Whose fucking testicles are Zack Snyder's uh massaging exactly i how are I, these how, are, how is he getting these jobs that's the dumbest thing i ever heard that he that he would do that yeah. he's a cia agent they shot him in the fucking face he's not even a cia agent he doesn't know that he's getting that camera's got a tracker in it but he is a photographer but they shoot him in the head without naming him and now he's dead I, no, he, he cops to being part of the operation or at least knowing about it. Something. I, I don't know. But the point is that's Jimmy Olsen and they kill him without even naming him. Really? I don't know how you watch these movies. I uh, I did not see X-Men uh, Last Stand or uh, uh, Origins Wolverine in the theater. In fact, I don't know if I finished Wolverine, Origins Wolverine and I've seen Last Stand maybe twice with great horror. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just want nothing to do with it. I just, I, you know, I would wish for you, 
after 40 years of bad Superman movies, <laughs> that's one of these days, man, we're going to get them for you. We're going to get the right Superman, and we'll get you the right... Well, that's not even your favorite character. Who's your favorite character? Flash? Probably the Flash or yeah. Green Lantern or, or Legion of Superheroes. Um, so let's, no, leave, let's, leave, let's leave on a happy thought. So how do you feel about having two Flash properties separately? I am excited for as long as the Flash TV show keeps going, and I am utterly un, unimpressed, unexcited for the movie version because this movie has made it impossible for me to feel hopeful for this movie franchise, this Let movie me, universe. Can, can, I, can I give you a hypothetical? Uh, sure. Put, like put yourself in shoes kind of thing? Right. So if you were in control, you, you could decide to combine the TV and movie franchises or keep them separate. Um, but in the, I will say in, in the, uh, scenario of keeping them separate, you could also get the best people you wanted for the movie, but it would just be totally separate. So you either have, you know, version that spans both media, current, you know, current people or totally separate, but also very high quality. What would you go for? I would go with separate, but high quality, um, just because, the cost related to being part of a universe that's both TV and movie, I think, can't be overlooked. I, I don't mind a separate TV universe. I just wish the movie universe wasn't garbage. Yeah, I'm rooting for the I'm rooting for the other one. I just I'm I'm really nervous because I want Chloe Bennett to be in movies. <laughs> I want her to be the one to make the jump. It'll be so perfect. She's got the Secret Warriors, the Inhumans. Right. She's got the looks. She's got the acting. I mean, she's playing across Clark Gregg. I mean, you know, she's got the chops for the Avengers universe. I think she's going to, if she wants to. I I think that has been my prediction for a while. And so I hope that happens in DC. But if it's in a productive way, it just seems like they're both too spread out and, uh, you know, not clustered together at the same time if that makes sense yeah pretty much it's like it's almost like when you're you know you're trying to put your defense out in baseball and you're mm-hmm. like you're like okay well this guy sucks at right so i'm gonna put him at third <laughs> and my, my guy at short plays a mean center field um and my catcher can't catch but he's got a great arm so i'll throw him at pitcher you know what i mean next thing you know you've talked yourself into having like the worst infield you know on the planet. Pretty much. Uh, um, and so I, I, I'm trying to predict a positive turn for this. It's amazing that, you know, as fast as microprocessors uh, improve, uh, these turnaround times for the studios making real changes has not radically changed in our lifetime. I mean, it still feels like entire years or, or, or generations, right, before... The producers change and the directors change, and the, you know it's like takes fucking forever. I mean, Brian Singer is still directing fucking X Men movies seventeen yep. years later or whatever. Um, so, all right, man. Uh, what's uh, any, any parting thoughts? Anything else you gotta get out there? Fuck this movie. Don't go see it. <laughs> it's really bad, but it's an excuse for two guys to talk together for a few hours, and hopefully for you guys to listen and enjoy it. Uh, so thanks for listening. Bizzlecast out. All right, buddy. Thanks for that. No problem. Thank you.